And now, introducing a being no larger than an ordinary man, but possessed of powers and abilities never before realized on Earth. Able to leap toys in this hallway in a single bound, hurdle his fire pit without spilling his beer, race a six-year-old with little to no cheating, and sip from his bendy straw with no hands. He is Glenn Clark. Somehow, I think it's because you're, um, you're booming when you do the intro. The test that we do before the show starts doesn't actually reflect the level that we need to be at when we do the intro. It's, what well, we're going to have to do is before the show starts, we're going to have to have you like, start pr- I don't want you to give away your, your material. Like yeah. I get that. That's part of the that's part of the the value. So you might have to start preparing like dummy uh, routines, like, eh! you know, like you might have to do something like that because we just got to test the level at the level that you're going to be booming from. When we start the show. Maybe a little less boom. Well, I mean, I like the boom. I'm a man who enjoys a good boom. I want that to be known. Uh, I'm a big boomer, Esiason guy, uh, Chris Boomer Berman. I mean, I enjoy booms, but. Uh, no, we just got to test for that. We just got to we got to be prepared for that. We but this is regularly and I, I talk about this constantly like when uh, when I do broadcasts and somebody like hey, can I get a level check? And nobody's checking the level for what you're going to be at when there's like a, a a big scoring opportunity in a soccer match or someone, you know, catches a remarkable pass like Hollywood Brown did in the back of the end zone. That's not the level they're checking for. They're checking a level of something like, ah, just talk for me. Like, hey, how you doing? We're having a good day. Everybody good? All right, all right. Blah, 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 blah. And then you get to the match, and you're like, oh, what is that? (laughs) And you're like, oh, right. That's not the same level that we tested at. That's the way that it goes. Hi, good morning. That's nerdy inside stuff that you don't care about. But, hey, we're going to spend the rest of the show talking about the Ravens getting their asses kicked. So which would you prefer? It's Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Paul. Uh, yeah, that happened. Uh, 41-17. That was yuck. Thanks to those of you that joined us for Project Game Day, Gluttons for Punishment. Reed and I were with you yesterday. Uh, if you missed it, you can find it in the archives or uh, by going to facebook.com slash pressboxsports, clicking on the videos tab, or pressboxonline.com slash video. Maybe, I don't know, wait till this show is over to go back and uh, check it out if you missed it. But we do Project Game Day every game day this season. That means we'll be off for the next uh, for the next week as there's, of course, a bye week coming up. And then Rito will be back with me for the Minnesota game. It's all brought to you by Window Nation as well as Glory Days Grill and Underdog Fantasy Football. Coming up today... Of course, we're going to dish out some slaps to the helmet. More than a fair share to be uh, passed around. Unfortunately, that's what happens when you get your asses handed to you the way the Ravens did. Uh, We will check in with a couple of former Ravens, Kadria Smile, Dan Wilcox, two of our friends, get their thoughts on what they they saw, where the Ravens are at the bye. Um, Yes, it's a mix of, of, of really good and then really, really bad in a smaller sample size. We'll cover all of that. Uh, Jeremy Kahn will check in with us as he does every Monday. That's all coming up here on the program. Today's show also brought to you by Window Nation. The fall is calling sale is on. Buy two windows, get two free. Buy four windows, get four free. There's no limit whatsoever. It's a great thing. You can buy 1,000, get 1,000 free. You can buy 64, get 64 free. Whatever the number is, you're, you're duplicating the number and getting that many free with the fall is calling sale from Window Nation. 866-90NATION. Visit windownation.com. And don't forget, you can pay nothing for two full years with Window Nation. So it's not just that you're getting the windows. Like, you buy four windows. You're getting four that you're never paying for. And even the four that you're paying for, you're not paying for for two full years. 
It's pretty remarkable. Windownation.com, again, is the website. So what had happened was, yeah. Um, I've had, obviously, a little bit more time uh, to dissect it, and my column will be coming at Glenn Clark Radio. Or no, the column is at PressBoxOnline.com. We're at GlennClarkRadio.com. Go figure. Um, I'm in a weird place because... Both things are true. And that's sort of the theme of the column is both things are true. It is both true that at 5-2 and two, after seven games, given everything the Ravens have been through, it's, it's nearly miraculous that the Ravens are in the position that they're in. But at the same time, that doesn't make what happened yesterday dismissible or any less concerning or, frankly, any less of an example of why there really could be trouble on the other side of this. And I know you're probably thinking to yourself, boy, that that seems a bit much. Weren't you going on a week ago about how good the Ravens were, that they were boring? Yeah, I was. You're absolutely right, because that's the sample that we had to work with most recently. But as we said after that, we didn't really know if the story of their success on the ground against the Chargers was about them figuring something out or if it was just how truly terrible the Chargers run defenses. And a week later, you know, I think we got our answer. And I get it. They were without Latavius Murray, but let's not pretend like Latavius Murray has been anything more than at best serviceable. Oh, I feel good this morning. I got a cough coming on. It's really pleasant. (coughs) Oh, yeah. There we go. That's the good stuff. Trying to get it all out of – it's going from my nose to my throat. So think about that as you're enjoying your breakfast this morning. (laughs) Pleasant times in the Glenn Clark household. Um, The run game thing in particular. I get that all of you are freaking out about the defense. And, yeah, the defense sucked yesterday. Let's let's not kid ourselves. And they weren't very good against Indianapolis. But I have really centered on the idea that I think the defense would be fine. Would be fine if the Ravens possessed the ball more. And the team they were supposed to be coming into the year, they were able to beat which goes back to the things that we talked about when the Ravens were winning, throwing the ball 40 times a game. It's not that they can't win games that way. We know that because they did. We watched them do it. We watched them win games throwing the ball a billion times. They are capable of doing it. The question that I had then wasn't whether or not they were capable of it. The question that I had then was, is this the best scenario for the Ravens to go about trying to win a Super Bowl, throwing the ball this much. You're not questioning Lamar Jackson. You're not questioning the wide receivers. You're not questioning Mark Andrews. You're trying to figure out what this team is best suited to do in order to go about winning a Super Bowl. And again, we're still only seven games in. There's still a long way to go. I can't tell you that I have definitive answers. I don't. But the best feel that I have for this football team is if they can't figure out a way to run at a more significant level. And not even talking about the level that they ran the ball a year ago or 2019. I mean, that's a pipe dream at this point. But a more consistent level, I don't think they can win no matter how well Lamar looks throwing the ball. And I get it. He didn't. didn't, Yesterday was not his best day. To be fair, it's, it's quite the standard that we have now with Lamar. But yesterday was not his best day. 
We'll get back to that. No matter how well they throw, if they're not capable of running the ball consistently, I don't think this team can win a Super Bowl. Because I think you're asking too much on the other side of the ball should mistakes be made. Should you have situations where you don't capitalize to try to play shootouts? Could the Ravens' offense have played better yesterday? Absolutely. 1,000%. Even if they weren't running the ball. There were more plays to be made that weren't made. <coughs> and it wasn't necessarily about drops. Some, some of it yesterday was, frankly, Lamar Jackson not seeing an open receiver or trying too hard to extend the play in order to make something happen instead of taking what was there. Or in early on in the game, the Ravens' reluctance or Lamar Jackson's reluctance to run. It seemed like they didn't want to do that until they fell behind, until Cincinnati scored a touchdown, and then they were like, oh, now we'll let Lamar Jackson run, which has never in a million years made sense. Why, that's an emergency scenario. Yeah, we'll do that, but only if we have to. Why? Why? Well, because we don't want to run the risk of, of him getting hurt. We've been through this a million times. He's at no more risk of getting hurt running than he is when he's standing in the pocket and taking a big hit. You're, you're, you're making things up as you go along. We've got the statistics. We have the numbers. There is no more danger to Lamar Jackson getting hurt as a runner, statistically proven, than there is when he stands in the pocket and takes a big hit. It's the same big hit. In fact, it could be worse because he might not see it coming. <coughs> Whereas in the open field, you almost certainly see it coming. I don't, I don't know what's going on, man. It's worse than it was. It was worse than it was yesterday. We did game day. I felt I felt fine. I find that when I'm sitting, it's <coughs> oh, worse. Man. Yeah, he, but I was definitely sitting for game day yesterday, and it wasn't like this. I feel like I'm choking. It's not good. You got some water? No, but I'll get some. That's a promise. Um, I should have done that clearly beforehand. Apologies to you, my friends. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. The moral of the story being, there were still plays that were there to be made. But the bigger problem was they were one-dimensional. Not just because Lamar Jackson wasn't running the ball, because they couldn't run the ball at all otherwise. They couldn't extend drives. They couldn't stay on the field. They couldn't do what they did in the first drive of the game against the Chargers last week. That Yes, they went down. The first time the Ravens had the ball in the second half, what did they do? They scored a touchdown. But they scored in, what, two minutes? It was a long pass play. They didn't pose their will. They didn't leave the Bengals feeling like we're really up against it today. The Bengals walked away from it and said, look, that was a miraculous play. Miraculous. We think we can stop miraculous plays from happening. And they did, clearly, the rest of the way. And the Ravens had no answer at that point. And then you combine that with the fact... Part of, part of yesterday is goofy because we're all looking at it and we're seeing the final score and we're kind of conveniently ignoring what happened as the game went along when the Ravens were down by two scores and suddenly started getting reckless and when they were going to go for it and left the Bengals with very short fields. Was it really a 41-17 to game or was it really more like a 27-17 game that the Ravens conspired to allow to become a bludgeoning? And I'm not saying that to make an excuse. 
Because I say things when they go the other way, too. When we say, well, they won by 31 points. Yeah, okay, fine, but you're ignoring circumstances when you talk about it. Sometimes games are competitive. This game was a competitive game. The Ravens led in the second half. And then things spiraled out of control. And they made more than their fair share of mistakes in the process. Decisions that were poor. They, you know, clearly... The, the the thought that I mean the not kicking the field I'll never understand that. That was back in the first half, but not kicking the field goal is something that I'll I'll think about for a long time and just wonder like did did Justin Tucker die and we just weren't alerted? I just feel like that should have probably made the papers at some point. Well and then you look at that and okay, maybe the wind is blowing in a in a certain direction in the first half, but then he has almost the exact same field goal in the second half. The Ravens line up to go for it on like fourth and ten, trying to draw them all sides to get an extra five yards and end up calling a, a stupid timeout and then punting. So what's the deal? You have the best kicker in NFL history who's who can make 60 yarders pretty routinely. And he has a 57-yard field goal on both ends of the field, and you don't let him try it. I, I'll, I'll never understand the decision-making there. What, what went into that? I mean, I don't have an answer for you. I don't. I really don't. And I'm, I'll be thinking about it for some time. I mean, I'll be thinking about it for a long time. That's the reality of it. But this is this is this is where they are. They run the ball yesterday. I don't know what happens, but they couldn't run the ball yesterday because the Bengals don't have the worst run defense in the NFL the way the Chargers do. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the reality for this team at this point. They can only run the ball if they're facing an ungodly bad run defense. They can't run the ball. And if they can't figure out how to run the ball, I, I think they can still win plenty of games. But I don't think they can win a Super Bowl. I don't think there's any chance. I think they can make the playoffs. I think they can do some good things. I think Lamar Jackson can have continued moments of brilliance and can get himself back into MVP conversation as the year goes on. And there's a lot of things that can happen, even if they can't figure out how to run the ball. But if they can't figure out how to run the ball, I don't think there's any chance in hell that they can win a Super Bowl. Because inevitably, this is the type of thing that's going to happen. There's going to be a day where you need to impose your will and you can't do it, and instead, you get bullied. And whether it's against the Bengals or whoever it might be against, the Bills, whatever, I get it, it wasn't the Chargers. The Chargers have a terrible run defense. It's probably not the team it's going to happen against. They'll try to improve that. I don't know what happens. But whoever it is, if you can't run the ball, you're you're likely in for this. And it might have been the Colts, by the way. I mean, it nearly damn near was the Colts a couple weeks ago. You have to figure out how to run the ball. And that's easier said than done. I get it. If Patrick McCary is going to be out for a significant time, I, I mean, I'm almost hopeless here. You are as thin as you possibly can be along the offensive line. I, I don't know what might be out there that could possibly help you. We talked last week about the name Isaiah Wynn. I, sure. I mean, anybody. Go out and try to trade for anybody at this point. By the way, continuing to try to make yourself seem smart by saying things. I saw somebody else doing this this morning that was getting traction on Twitter. Uh, you guys don't know what you're talking about. The Ravens can't trade for anybody. They don't have Stop. Stop trying to think you're smarter. You're not. I, I get it. There's this thing that all that matters in the world anymore is social media attention. 
and trying to prove how smart we are gets us social media attention. You have no idea what you're talking about. No, if somebody is carrying a cap figure of $10 million this season, you're right. The Ravens probably can't bring them on in a trade. It's probably not going to happen. But that's about what we're talking about. Because even if somebody carries a figure of like $5 million, you're not picking up all $5 million. You're acquiring them halfway through the year. Stop trying to prove how smart you are. You have no clue what the Ravens could do between now and the trade deadline. None. Neither do I. That's the smartest thing I can tell you. I don't know. I know they should be trying to do things to address the run game. And as I've said a million times, this thing, I, just saying you need to address it with a tackle, that ain't changing the fact that you don't have the backs. They're not getting anything. When they hit open space around the corner, they can't do anything with it. We can blame the blocking all we want. The blocking ain't good, but when they get the space, they can't turn it into anything. They are getting to the outside, and they're not doing anything with it. It's not there from this group of running backs. Is Latavius Murray the best of the group? Yeah, and so it hurt to not have him. But is he breaking things? No. No. He's the most likely to be able to get you what's there if you do have your blocking improve. This is not a dynamic running group. So you acquire a tackle, I'm for it. But the thought that you're addressing this with a new tackle and the same group of running backs, I, I can't pretend like I think that's the case. This group of running backs can't do it. You want to fix the run problem, you're probably going to have to address both. I mean, you have to find an unbelievably dynamic back if you're not addressing offensive line. This offensive line, even with a dynamic back, you're still in trouble. It'd have to be a, a supremely dynamic back, and those guys likely aren't available. You probably have to do both, and that's where you get into real trouble because then you really look at, well, do you have the cap space to be able to do both? Mm, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tight. Can it be done? Yeah, don't let somebody tell you that it can't be. The moral of the story to me is very singular. They have to figure out how to run the ball. I mean, I can't... We can talk about the defense. I think the defense... Fixed is the wrong way to describe it. I think the defense can be helped. Can be aided significantly by the Ravens having a competent run game. By being on the field less by being asked to do less, I think that the horses can be there on the other side of the ball. Does the tackling still stink? Yes. Like, I, I don't care how much you're on the field. You got to tackle better. There's no, I can't get around that. But I'm not as convinced that that's an unfixable abomination as it is a feel for the game that is the game wears on if they're not on the field as much they're not in a better position to be able to make certain plays. Jamar Chase is always going to be a difficult matchup. We've been talking about that for a while. This, this, the Bengals are a problem, man. They're a problem. They're going to be a problem for a long time to come. Jamar Chase is that dude. He's that guy. He is in that echelon. It is going to be a nightmare for some time to come. 
As long as they have a, you know, Joe Burrow stays healthy. As long as Jamar Chase stays healthy, right? Like, I mean, you got to say both those things. That's a nightmare matchup for a long time to come in this division. That is a, that's not facing a good wide receiver. That's not facing, that's facing someone that you can cover well and he can still kick your ass. That's not, no, I mean, Keenan Allen's a really good wide receiver. That's tougher than that. Amari Cooper's a good wide receiver. It's tougher than that. DK Metcalf's a good wide receiver. A.J. Brown's a good wide receiver. This is beyond that. This guy's a game changer. Because you can do everything you want to do, and that guy can still kick your ass. Now, you still got to make a tackle. Like, it's still shameful. Nobody gets absolved from the just the awful way they failed to tackle the dude when he broke free. But it's bad, man. It's just bad, bad, bad. But that's the reality of facing Jamar Chase. He's that guy. And we have to recognize that despite the fact they're only a half a season in with him. He's that. He might be better than A.J. Green. I mean, still got to prove that, I guess, moving forward. A.J. Green had a nice career. But talent-wise, I think he's more talented. I think he has more to offer physically than even A.J. Green did. And A.J. Green... I mean, A.J. Green made us, made us sick regularly in Baltimore. It's what you're up against. It's what you're dealing with. Um, my column, let me check to see if it's up. It will, if it's not, it will be up shortly. It covers. I mean, it really, it covers, it's not up yet. It'll be up shortly. It covers the, the both sidesing of this that you were forced to do but it's important that you do both. Again, if you try to walk away from it, whitewash it, and just say, yeah, but they're 5-2 and two at the bye, and they got time to figure it out, yeah, it's a drastic undersell. Do they? Sure. In what context? In the context that, if we're being honest about it, the AFC doesn't seem nearly as top-heavy as it did a month ago. In that we're not all living in fear of the Kansas City Chiefs and, you know, there aren't so many teams. The AFC's not so deep that you don't think that it is that, that the Ravens can't figure out a way, that you're still not fully convinced the Bengals are going to run away with the AFC North and you think, yeah, sure. In that context, probably all's good. But in the context of trying to win a Super Bowl, which I would think, I would think is the singular goal, there is real, there is a real problem. And again, created by the fact that they've dealt with injuries. And that's the part that makes it so remarkable that they're here. That's why we acknowledge that 5-2 and two really is incredible. But if it's 5-2, and two, or they're still trying to figure out a way to win games without being able to run the ball, I, I don't want to say it's smoke and mirrors because it feels like it's taking something away from Lamar Jackson because that path almost certainly involves Lamar Jackson playing quite well the rest of the way. But at the same time, that's the thing that's not viable to me. The thing that everybody kept trying to tell you wasn't viable in the postseason, where the Ravens were running the ball so much and they needed to figure out if they could throw the ball 50 times, that was always nuts. We, we told people that was nuts. That's how we know. Whenever somebody would say, yeah, but what happens when you have to throw the ball 50 times? We'd say, what? In what world do you think throwing the ball 50 times is a, is a good strategy? 
That's what we said every time we heard some dope try to use that to take a shot at Lamar Jackson. And now we need to acknowledge that on the flip side, we have to say the same thing. Well, yeah, but you could just throw the ball 50 times. That's not a good idea. That's not a good way to go about trying to win a Super Bowl. You don't have to be the team that you were a year ago or that you were in 2019. But you have to be able to run the ball better than this. You have to be able to run the ball with consistency. For context, yesterday was the fourth time this season the Ravens as a team didn't run the ball for 120 yards in a game as a team. Paul, how many times do you think they didn't run the ball for 120 yards last, last year in 18 games, including the playoffs? Zero. Well, no, three. I mean, three. three. I, I, that, that surprises me. I, thought, I, I assumed they ran for at I mean, least are, We know they ran for 100 in every game because yeah. of that stupid streak. But they fell short of 123 times. Three, but three times. Three times in 18 games <clears throat> compared to four times in seven games. You project that out over 18 games. And you're talking about it happening 10 times. They have to figure out how to run the ball more consistently or it's just not going to happen because that might be your answer. They can't do it with this group of guys. Well, then it's not going to happen. I mean, I, it's not a, it's a spoiler, as uh, Paul Heyman might like to say. Spoiler, they're not winning the Super Bowl. And that just might be the answer. I mean, it's, it's fair. Like they just Only one team wins it anyway. You might be able to figure out how to run the ball and still not win the Super Bowl. But I, I feel very confident that it, I can tell you if they can't figure out how to run the ball, they ain't winning the Super Bowl consistently and not just with Lamar Jackson because somebody would say, hey, look at their numbers. They're actually one of the better run offenses in the NFL. Take away Lamar Jackson's runs. Take away the Chiefs-Chargers games, which you can't do. You can't it's do. It's not the way that it works. It's not the way it works, right. but – the two worst run defenses in the league. Well, and most of the Chiefs stuff was Lamar Jackson anyway, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, their, their backs have run well against the Chargers and okay against the Chiefs in part because Lamar Jackson was yeah. running the ball so well in that game. All right. Uh, today's show also brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Loop service center. Ask for Mobile One. Uh, get get your slaps of the helmet in. We're going to get to them a little bit later on. Slaps of the helmet. You know the rules. Five Ravens. Two must be offensive. Two must be defensive. Rank them five to one. Who deserves the most scorn for their performance in the Ravens' loss? We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. Kadri Smile joins us next. This is Glenn Clark Radio. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Maryland, this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. 
Hi, it's Glenn Clark here for Window Nation. You know, a lot of things change with the season this time of year. The leaves change, temperatures change, your clothing changes. But the one thing that stays rock solid is the quality windows, installation, and customer service from Window Nation. Plus, their amazing offer, buy two windows, get two free, plus pay nothing for two full years. They never cut corners when it comes to quality and transparency from start to finish. Call 866-90NATION today or online at windownation.com. It's the perfect time for Window Nation, the perfect fit. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. I love you more than selfie poses. I love you more than spraying hoses. I love you more than bird calls. But not as much as football. Celebrate your love of football with Raven Scratch-Offs from the Maryland Lottery. Win up to $100,000 instantly or second chance cash in Raven's prizes. I love you more than snowballs. But not as much as football. Play Raven Scratch-Offs at any Maryland Lottery retailer. Please play responsibly. The offseason is upon us, but baseball never sleeps. Hi, I'm Zach Goodman, and you can find me on the Batteron with host Paul Valley every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. We've got the best local coverage on every trade and signing, plus every update on the new CBA negotiations. You can watch us live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. That's the Batteron every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon for the best in offseason baseball coverage. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. So we will be doing a Tyus Bowser show tomorrow night, but as I've been talking about, it's a private show this week at the Center Club downtown, so apologies. It's not one that you can join us for. Instead, make sure that you're with us coming up on November 16th, and we're at Mother's in Timonium for the next Tyus Bowser show. It's all brought to you by Pressbox and Grade 8's Memorabilia. And find out more about what Great Eights Memorabilia is doing to take care of the community this uh, this Thanksgiving. And they're giving you rewards in the process. You can meet Justin Tucker and Deshaun Elliott and Tyus Bowser for free. All you got to do is get a bag of, of, of Thanksgiving side goods for Harvest of Hope. The details are at GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's the word great, the number eight, the letter S, Memorabilia.com to find out more about how you can meet Justin Tucker or Deshaun Elliott for free this holiday season. Let's talk a little bit more about what happened yesterday. Joining us now, of course, Ravens Super Bowl champion, man that you see on WJZ as part of their pre- and post-game shows, and he's also uh, on doing a fun show on Twitter with Sarah Ellison, Sarah and Q Ravens Review. This is news to me. Did you know he didn't have a U in his name? I've never. I've known this guy for 20 years. It's Kadri Ismail. He's with us here on GCR. What's going on, buddy? I, I actually do know why you sent that over, by the way. I saw you were on, like, a national show recently, and somebody kept calling you Quadri, which actually, as a friend, I wanted to jump through uh, the screen and, and rip the guy's head off who kept saying it. Yeah, I, I think they somehow forget that um – Language is very nuanced, and names are too. And yeah, I guess they wanted to put the U in there, but so be it. Yeah, that's not that's not a thing. Not a thing. All right. Well, uh, it's talking about this is about as pleasant as talking about yesterday's football game, for what it's worth. Um, 
how do you measure the their it's really remarkable the Ravens are at this point, five and two, given everything that they've been through injury wise, versus just how bad it looked yesterday and how bad certain aspects have looked for stretches despite their record, namely the lack of a run game from the running backs and this these continued tackle issues issues defensively. Yeah, well, I mean, what you want to start with because they're both the elephant in the room that kind of the Ravens without Lamar Jackson would be a team that possibly would have one win, um, maybe against you know Detroit because of the powerful leg of, of Justin Tucker. Um, but outside of that, yeah, you know, Lamar Jackson makes this thing go, and that's why they're they're five and two because. You know, this is a, a team sport for sure, and, and the way in which you know you play it, you got to go and, and strategize and do you know all the game planning and everything. But it comes down to whether or not you have the strong enough want to and mental makeup to go and collide with another human and bring them to the ground. And I think for the Ravens, they think that they do, but in reality, they do not. Yeah, that is the reality. How? how... Can can the run game thing be fixed internally, Kadri, particularly if Patrick McCary is going to be out for a while? Or does it have to be something they're going to have to be forced to address however they can? And that's not – it's easier said than done, of course. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, I, but I think it's easier said than – or it's not easier said than done um, because, yeah, you you see the problem. You see the video saying what you're doing incorrectly. Um, but is it a talent thing? Like you just don't know how to tackle? Do you feel like you're, you know, not understanding the concepts of what we're trying to accomplish? Right. Running back wise, you know, have you hit the the wall that you know age kind of caught up with you, and and you are who you are, and you know, are there any other guys out there on the market that you can get to come in and 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 get up to speed, or do you just? Ride with what you got. You know, there's some some tough questions that, you know, there are no easy answers to. What What is the most pre- – I mean, like, of, of these two things we're talking about, is it I, – I, my, here's my gut. You, you tell me if I'm crazy. I think the defense can be helped by figuring out how to run the ball. Like, I get it. The tackling thing is still – it's puzzling. But I think you can get this defense performing at a level that that is good enough – to even try to win a Super Bowl if you could just have the ball a little bit longer, keep them off the field, do what you did against the Chargers a week ago. Am I crazy to think that as bad as it is on that side, that could be aided if you could solve the running the football thing? Well, I mean, I guess the first thing's first. You're crazy regardless of fair. whether or not they fix yeah. anything on the Ravens. Yeah, but that's fair. With that, you also know that, hey, if you fix the running game, and, and that's something that I think, you know, what I, again, love about Lamar Jackson, they had a, what, I think it was like a third and 12 or something, and he scrambled and, and picked up the first down, and that was awesome. And, you know, that's what I look at with Lamar and why, you know, you, you just, you look at what he can do, and the moment you think, oh, yeah, man, you know, I've seen it all, he does something greater. And when I look at his, you know, what made him so good is as he was getting more and more comfortable with being in a pocket and throwing the ball and all that, he's just, they just kept on possessing the ball. And, 
you know, especially in, in you know, when, when it came to bully ball and, and all the things of the running game, you know, they just, they can meticulously uh, march down a football field calling pretty much a run or a pass, uh, primarily a run, and have it work. Those days are, you know, kind of slipping away from them a bit. Not that it's a Lamar thing, but I think it like it's a talent on the offensive line. Yep. Um, so I think you know Patrick Ricard as well as Nick Boyle being back, I think that's going to really aid coming out of the uh, bye. I think when you look at the way in which you know this team um, running back situation is, it's it's a, a bunch of guys that are really struggling to to really find their way, and and I don't know. If it's a scheme thing, so much as I think it's an age thing. Now, I, I agree. Kadri Ismail's with us here on GCR. And, and Kadri, what I'm seeing, like I'll talk about this and people will say, yeah, well, but nobody's blocking for him. Nobody, nobody could run behind you know, the, these run blockers. And like, okay, that's obviously it's hyperbole, but let's just enter, entertain that for a second. I'm not sure that I've seen anything from this group of running backs that says that I believe they can be dynamic even if they had, you know, rogue raiders in front of them, right? Like I – when they get to the outside, when they get to the corner and they're in space, they're not they're not getting yards in those situations. Like I just there's nothing from this group of guys. And this is what happens when you're picking guys up the scrap heap, right? And you're taking somebody else's trash, is there's a reason why nobody else wanted them, right? Like I I just don't see anything from this group of backs that says to me, even if you had a, at least a better level, even if you had Nick Boyle out there, there's a reason for me to believe that this is a dynamic group of backs. Everything you're saying is so spot on. Everything you're saying is where I'm. I'm like I'm. I'm. I'm visualizing in my mind right now. Okay, so running game wise, you obviously have to be on the same page with your offensive lineman, and and obviously the running back has to follow the hole and understand the concept, and then let his talent go. I think the problem though is when you have an offensive line doing their job, but you don't have the running back in sync with them. But then also the reverse. You will have the running back ready to, you know, bust out, and he sees that there's an opening, only to have an offensive lineman on the backside lose his technique, and then right. he gets tackled. Right. So it's 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 this it's this cycle that keeps repeating itself. I, again, I think the Ravens are a five and two team, in large part because of Lamar Jackson. Correct. Correct. So I think you're you're left with this situation where you say, well, either you're going to figure out how to run the ball, or you're going to be forced to have Lamar Jackson have to go win every game for you. And as we've seen, it's not that he can't. Like, he did that. As you pointed out, we've watched Lamar Jackson single-handedly win games for you. But can Lamar Jackson do that to win a Super Bowl? I mean, is, is, is that plausible? And maybe plausible is the wrong word, right? Because it, I can't say it's impossible. Is it is it likely to think that if you can't figure out a way to run the ball, that Lamar Jackson can just be Superman every week and overcome everything to go win you a Super Bowl against the best teams in the NFL? Ha! Good luck. Yeah. I mean, um, I, 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 taking I, nothing I, away from I, him, obviously. Like we know he's good, but that's insane. <laughs> it is. I mean, that's not that's not winning football. At some point in time, it'll it'll backfire on you. I think what you know we see that is a positive is the fact that you're getting you know guys like uh, Andrews, Hollywood, and Bateman, along with Prochet and and Duvernay, uh, in the mix. You you were getting you know the backup guy and Oliver, the tight end, in the mix. Um, there's some some you know there are a ton of football left. Not every team is going to be built to beat your Ravens. 
so you got to look at it as like, all right, who, you know, who do we got up next? Who's going to be sitting there? And obviously it's, it's, it's the Minnesota Vikings, but you're going to be sitting there. They're going to be sitting there and they're going to be trying to scheme it up. But it, again, it's about execution. And if you haven't seen, you know, Lamar up close and personal, which the Vikings haven't, then it, it, it tends to, you know, make right. you pause and freeze right. a bit. So I, I think, I think, um, you know, all is not lost. It's just you need to continually address it because, yeah, like you said, you know, if you're if you're looking to win the Super Bowl and, you know, there's a small window of opportunity, which they got right now, and that thing is, you know, at a at the tiniest of slithers, then basically, you know, you, you if you run out of time, you're you're going to be on the outside looking in. All right, Kadria Smile, I, I do need to ask you because we're going to be seeing this guy for a long time, man. What you've seen in Jamar Chase, and I get it, like you still have to – it's 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 pretty shameful the tackling effort on the one touchdown, but this guy it it seems like this is going to be a problem for the Baltimore Ravens for a long time to come. He reminds me of <clears throat> Jimmy Smith from the Jacksonville Jaguars mm, mm, mm. in my day. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Smith was incredibly fast with just such a powerful lower body, and when he I saw it yesterday. Um, actually, uh, Jimmy Smith, our Jimmy Smith, the the cornerback for number number twenty two for the Ravens, he was covering him, and they tried to go to him on a, a third down situation, and he undercut the route, and it was just you know a savvy veteran knowing what to do. They come back. Jimmy's now isolated on Jamar, and Jamar literally just magnificently gets out of his break and, you know, catch the ball for a first down. He did the same thing to a younger, fresher, more talented, at least as far as his prime is concerned, uh, in Marlon Humphrey. And, and Marlon, too, was it? I mean, it was a back shoulder throw. It was really just a great throw. But regardless of that, you know, the way he ran his route yesterday, it just so reminds me of Jimmy Smith of Jacksonville. And we all know the pain in the neck Jacksonville is. I think Jacksonville, Jimmy, if I'm not mistaken, uh, put up 280 or 90 some odd yards receiving. Yeah. And three, like, deep ball touchdowns that was just obscene. You know, to me, that's where um, Jamar Chase, you know, kind of scares me. It's just his explosiveness. And, you know, that's something that, uh, (laughs) yeah, I, I get nervous when it comes to, trying to keep up with a dynamic receiver like that. 15 catches for 291 yards uh, and three touchdowns in that matchup. Mm. But, but, Mm. it mattered not, did it? It mattered not because, uh, you know, ended up being a pretty good day and a pretty good year, as it turns out, for the Baltimore Ravens back in 2000. So we've uh, we've conveniently, unlike yesterday, when things did not go well, uh, when Jamar Chase ate them alive, uh, oh, that, that dude, that yeah, that dude is going to be a thorn in the side of this team for years to come, man. Like I mean, that's just and every team, obviously, that guy is as legit as it can possibly get. Uh, just so I can talk about one positive with you, Kadri. I mean, the, the I know there was the drop last week, but aside from that, what we've seen from Rashad Bateman in getting on the field without having a full train. I mean, I. I would like to think this is about as as good as you could possibly have asked for for Rashad Bateman, given the circumstances that he returned him. Yeah, no, I I, I like that he's running smoothly. 
you don't see a hitch in his giddy up, so you know whatever the the rehab was, it was good and and sound. Um, I think that you know until they correct his inside ankle bone and the way in which he rotates, you know from from outside to in, until they correct that, he's always going to be okay. at risk. And you know that's something where I know I could you know address. Uh, under you know whatever circumstances as far some, as some missile you know, training them, is, is needed. Yeah, is exactly what, right. Yeah. I mean that that's what we do. But with that said, route running was just was on point. I mean he he ran to get open and knew where to go and you know the route concept as well as how to go as far as the defensive concepts. He reminded me of when he snatched those back to back deep over routes. Um, obviously the next play was Hollywood Brown going down the football field on the stutter go. And basically they completed one incomplete on the other, but the, the deep over routes that we saw with Bateman, uh, it reminded me a lot of Anquan Walden. Mm, mm. That's I, we like the sounds of that, man. We like the sounds of that. There's no doubt about it. All right. So, cause we mentioned missile training. Let's remind everybody, if they're looking to fix their own hitch in their giddy-up or something else they've got going on, what do they need to know about missile training? Q, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh. Say that one more time because it cut out. Oh, okay, gotcha. I was going to let you just give you a chance to plug missile training. Thank you so much because I was like, okay, it just <laughs> went out. So one of the things that I, I look at is – the opportunity to train the right way without breaking down elastic strength. Elastic strength is where it's at, but you got to be in your, what I call your columns. You have to have an idea of how to be back chain dominant, as opposed to running in your front side portion of your body. You know, when you break down, that's when you have the nagging injuries, your back, your hamstrings, or if you're a high level athlete, your groin like uh, Rashad Bateman. So, uh, definitely at Cadre Smile, you can DM me. You can uh, DM me. I am Cadre Ismail on Twitter, and go ahead and connect up with me um, and get you started. You doing some more CAA football as the season goes on? Yeah, actually, I just did uh, this past week Delaware JMU game. Uh, did that telecast, and uh, we'll more than likely, depending on my schedule, do the Delaware. Villanova oh, that one, yeah, that one means a little bit more to you, doesn't it? That one maybe <laughs> means a little bit more to you. I don't uh, have to have my professional hat right, on right, versus my, right, my right. parental hat. No doubt, no doubt about it. Kadri, love you, appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking the time for us as always. We'll see you on WJZ, all right? Absolutely, appreciate you, brother. Kadri, a smile, uh, Raven Super Bowl champion. And, and, and look, I'm not, I'm not trying to absolve the offensive line. And I think that people feel that way when I talk about, like, I'm trying to say that the offensive line isn't the problem. I think it's part of the problem. But I, you're watching these backs even when they get to the outside, and what are they doing? There's just nothing dynamic there. I don't believe alone that you say, well, this is about the offensive line, which doesn't mean I don't think you're looking for help. I think you are. But I don't think you can fix the run problem, the backfield, just with the addition of an offensive lineman. I think that's foolish. I think you're going to have to acquire a back, too. Now, you're asking to do a lot with not a lot of money to work with, and you don't want to give up too many assets. But I just don't see it from this group. 
And I don't know how you possibly could. Let's, um, while we have a minute here, let's recap picks. We're going to split up uh, picks recap, and we'll get to slaps a little bit later on. Let's recap picks for the weekend. Uh, picks recap brought to you by Glory Days Grill. The Oktoberfest menu still available. It still has the chicken schnitzel, the brewer's sausage platter, the brewer's sausage sandwich, the apple cobbler, slam dunk pretzels, Prussian pretzel rolls. Oh, it's all so good. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website. For you to find out more and to get your orders in so you can enjoy some glory days tonight with your family. <sighs> We're playing at the top of the table for a little bit of cash. At the bottom of the table, somebody's got to come in here, get their back waxed, eat a tarantula, and perform Hero from the first Spider-Man movie. And um, it was a great week for Kyle Ottenheimer, man. All, all he had to do was quit this show, and suddenly he figured out how to start picking football games. So a quick recap, we were all on Denver, and we all lost it. We all thought that Cleveland's injuries would bite them. They won. That's literally the only game Kyle got wrong all weekend. All week. That's it. That's it. He went 8-1. and 8-1. and one. Thankfully, I had a good week, too, 6-3, and three, so I'm still, we'll get to that. Um, Navy, far more. That ended up being a, a thriller. Uh, for those of you that didn't watch, Navy taking on the number two team in the country, Cincinnati, and battling them. And had a chance to go into the half with a lead. Had a bit of a disaster before the half. They fell behind by two scores late. Got a late touchdown and then recovered an onside kick and had the ball in decent field position with a chance to try to tie the game. Unfortunately, interception ended it, but Cincinnati only wins 27-20. to So considering they were favored by 27 and a half, no, they didn't cover the spread because they only scored 27 points. Even if they had shut Navy out, they wouldn't have covered the spread. Only Kyle Ottenheimer had picked Navy, so that was a big one for him. Also a big one, he was the only one to pick the Bengals. Feels like a jerk, doesn't he? I had this awkward moment yesterday when I like uh, we, were, we were watching the game, or I was watching the game because I was watching it by myself until Rita got here, and... Um, I'm like, God, this sucks. And then I look down and remember that I literally own Jamar Chase on all of my fantasy teams. I went heavy on Jamar Chase in the draft this year. And I was like, well, <laughs> I've got that going for me, which is nice. Yuck. Laura has, uh, Laura has Joe Mixon, and we're watching the game when he breaks that touchdown run in the fourth quarter. She's freaking out. She's like, no, no. I'm like, babe, you started him in fantasy. He goes, oh, yeah. Mm. It was like that Alonzo morning gym. <sighs> God. By the way, apparently there is a... Um, a Glenn Clark impersonator on Facebook. Apparently, uh, there is a fake Glenn Clark account. So I don't know what I got to do about that, but I'll try to figure that out today. But if you get a friend request or a message from uh, Glenn Clark, I promise you it ain't me. I'm doing the show. It's me. Wait, what, what are you doing with it? How could it possibly benefit you? <laughs> I'm, trying, it possibly to, I'm trying to destroy you from within. Oh, Glenn. but I still don't understand how that's going. I would, <laughs> I would aim a little higher if I were you. Like... I'm not trying to tell you, but if I were you, I would like look for somebody uh, swimming in a bit uh, deeper waters. Um, hang on a second. Oh, uh, uh, Pro Proctor's been. I'm sorry, Proctor. He asked if we could trade for Orlando Brown. The Chiefs may be out of the playoffs soon. Yeah, you know, you're right about that. Hey, let me ask you a question real quick about, yep. about Orlando Brown. And I know hindsight's 2020. Mm -hmm. If you could go back and do it again, do you sign him and not sign Stanley, given what you know? If you know how Stanley's going to go. Yeah, I mean. Because Stanley can still come back and be right, the best like, left tackle like, in football. Like maybe, but it's just such a preposterous kind of... Th there was no way. There was no right, way right. for you to know. So, like, I, it's not... 
I, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to. I get what you're doing. It's just a, it's impossible. It's impossible to have that conversation because what's the you know what's really the value of it, right? Yeah, like, I guess. Yes, yeah. clearly nobody wanted Ronnie Stanley <laughs> to be to be out for the better part of two seasons. Like that was not the plan when you decided to invest a boatload of money in Ronnie Stanley. There's no doubt about that. They were just so adamant about not giving the contract extension to Orlando Brown, and Stanley already had the ankle injury. Well, it's not, I don't, it wasn't, in fact, they were trying to give a contract extension to Orlando Brown. But he wasn't going to, that, that's true, he wasn't going to play right Right, tackle. like, it's it's not that at all. They wanted to sign Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown didn't want to sign. Mm. Like, that's the situation that they were in. You could say in hindsight, they might have been better off, but a lot of people in Kansas City would say, it's not like Orlando Brown's been a world beater down there this season. Yeah. So... I mean, it's just, it's unfortunate. And sometimes that just happens where things are just unfortunate. They're nobody's fault. Like, it's nobody's fault. It, I, com- I would compare it to once upon a time, the Ravens decided to let go of Anquan Bolden and go all in on Dennis Pitta after he had already suffered his first injury. Like, that you can look back on and say, what the F are you doing? Like, what is that? Because you had already seen one significant injury at that point. They had nothing to work with that would suggest that this was going to be problematic with Ronnie Stanley. That they, 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 they didn't pick Ronnie Stanley. They wanted to sign both of them. Yeah. It, it wasn't going to be possible, and they had no reason that – Ronnie Stanley was definitely the better of the two, and they had no reason to think that he was going to be going through something like this. Comparing it to Bolden and Pitta, Bolden was definitely the better of the two – Bolden wasn't a guy that had injury. I mean, like he would be banged up and wouldn't practice, but he was he played. That was the way that it worked with him. He didn't have significant injuries that kept him out for for long swaths of time. And Dennis Pitta did. So mm-hmm. in the moment, it was crazy. You're like, what? What? What is this? Like, what are you doing? And you would hear that all the time. Like, well, we we think um, we think it can be okay because you know we think that Dennis Pitta can sort of take on some of the stuff that Anquan Bolt. Like, what? What? Where did that come from? That was okay to criticize in the moment. This, there was no criticism of in the moment. This was, hey, we get it. Like, we get it. We understand. It's just that, obviously, it hasn't panned out the way that the Ravens wanted it to. Anyway, yeah. uh, uh, Kyle was the only one of us that uh, went with the Bengals, and he went two for two as a lone wolf. KZ went 0 for two as a lone wolf, as he was the only one on Kansas City. Yuck. Not only uh, did they not uh, cover the five and a half points, they got their asses handed to them, twenty-seven to three, and then he was the only one on Philadelphia, which I I never thought made any sense. Like that, I didn't get that whatsoever. They were only getting three points on the road at Vegas. They end up losing thirty-three to twenty-two. So KZ goes zero for two as a lone wolf, while Kyle goes two and zero, and that's a big swing this week. The other college games, we were all on Minnesota smartly. They ran all over Maryland, unfortunately, 34-16. to I get it. It does not look good for Maryland right now. They've lost three in a row. They have to bounce back this week uh, as they get Indiana at home, or this goes to a place where it gets very dark. I mean, they have to figure out how to win this football game. Despite being depleted by injury, they got to do it. There's no choice. Uh, Oregon wins a thriller over UCLA, 34-31. So both uh, Kyle, Ken, and I, or all three of us, get that pick and get that point. We were all on Tampa Bay smartly. The number was 12.5. They end up winning by 35 as Mike Evans caught three touchdowns. Tom Brady goes over 600 career touchdowns. Their problem, man, like, is you don't have to like Tom Brady, but you can't ignore what's going on. And then playing in what was called a bomb cyclone last night. <laughs> a bomb cyclone. And there was another term they were throwing ar- around for it. Hang on. I'm trying to fi- remember what this other term was they were using for the weather in San Francisco. Uh, they were using 
atmospheric river. Sure. <laughs> sure. And the you old know, atmospheric river. I think I visited that one. I mean, my God, it was insane last night. But playing in the midst of all that, um, and the Colts, despite being without Julian Blackman and without T.Y. Hilton, as it turns out, they handled their business. They won 30-18, so not only did they cover, but they win outright. The Colts are playing good football, man, despite everything they've been going through. Jonathan Taylor was a monster last night. Um, you know, in, in They needed that, obviously, because throwing the ball was was difficult um, as they beat the 49ers 30-18. to the Colts do on the road. So both Kyle and I get that pick. So for the week, Kyle, as I mentioned, eight and one. I go six and three. Proctor and Stecka both four and five. And KZ three and six. So significant shifts on the table. Kyle and I are now tied atop the table. We are both 35 and 33. Killing it. Just barely over 500, but in first place with a bullet. We're both two games clear of KZ, who's 33 and 35, four games clear of Stetka, who's 31 and 37, and Proctor now is six games back at 29 and 39. It has a lot to make up as we move along. That's where we are as far as picks are concerned. Kyle was the last person to get me his – I had to text him and be like, hey, man, I need your picks. He mm. got me his picks five minutes before the segment, mm. and he goes eight and one. I think he has a new strategy. It's just a, but, but how did you think that helped him? I, 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 maybe he was just like. You think he was spending more time studying? Or do you think he didn't? You think he waited until the last I think, second? I, I think less thought. Less thought was better. Less I, thought was better. I tend to agree with that in all aspects of life, frankly. The, le- <laughs> the less I think, the better off I am. Um, the big story right now in the NFL that we're not going to spend a lot of time on is the Deshaun Watson situation. And it's, it's one of the grossest things in recent memory. I mean, it's just absolutely unthinkable. But I tweeted out this morning, and I, and I firmly believe this. I absolutely think what the NFL is doing is they're playing the game where they're saying, we think you're going to forget. We think that this is going to be like Tyree Kill and this is going to be like Antonio Brown. And you'll, we'll scream about it for a little while. And then after he plays a couple of football games, you're going to be like, boy, Deshaun Watson looked great on Sunday. And you're going to stop talking about it. And it's just going to go away. And the track record with the last two guys makes me think they'd be right. We have utterly just pretended like Tyree Kill isn't a monster and that Antonio Brown didn't brag about sexually assaulting a woman. We, we're just, well, they're great players, aren't they? Boy, it's fun to watch them play. So why wouldn't the NFL take it? And I, it's not okay. It's shameful. They, they deserve all the ridicule in the world. But why wouldn't they? We've made it very clear as a football fan base that we are willing to just forget about all of these things and we got to take a break we got to get to a break we got to get a break um we are willing to do that so i get it i mean i get it i it's it's gross it's i'd still like to hope at some point the nfl will step in and say no we're not gonna let this dude play until we've we've come to a satisfactory conclusion about all of this. I'd like to hope that, but they're in no it's the biggest story in the league and they're in no rush to step in. They're in no rush to step in and say, "Oh man, you know how we were really worried about how embarrassing the the John Gruden thing would be for us? Maybe we should think about that here." This is what people are talking about when it comes to the NFL and they're just happy to allow it to occur. Shameful. It's, it's beyond shameful. 
Hour number one of today's show is in the books. It's also been brought to you by the Stay on the Fan Variety Hour. Stan Ross and Rich Dubroff from BaltimoreBaseball.com will be talking baseball tonight, Orioles World Series, and more. It's all coming up tonight at 6 o'clock, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. If you miss it, you can see it tomorrow, pressboxonline.com slash video. When we come back in, we'll get some thoughts from another former Raven, Dan Wilcox, one of our favorites, joins us next, Glenn Clark Radio. What's up, everybody? This is Taz Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Taz Bowser Show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Taz Bowser Show. Hi, it's Glenn Clark here for Window Nation. You know, a lot of things change with the season this time of year. The leaves change, temperatures change, your clothing changes. But the one thing that stays rock solid is the quality windows, installation, and customer service from Window Nation. Plus, their amazing offer, buy two windows, get two free, plus pay nothing for two full years. They never cut corners when it comes to quality and transparency from start to finish. Call 866-90NATION today or online at windownation.com. It's the perfect time for Window Nation, the perfect fit. I love you more than rock and roll. I love you more than a swimming hole. I love you more than pinball, but not as much as football. Celebrate your love of football with Raven Scratch-Offs from the Maryland Lottery. Win up to $100,000 instantly or second chance cash in Raven's prizes. I love you more than gumballs, but not as much as football. Play Raven Scratch-Offs at any Maryland Lottery retailer. Please play responsibly. Every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. I love driving my tractor trailer. And just like you, I just want to make it to my destination safely. If you drive too closely to my truck, I can't see you, and you can't see what's in front of me. If I have to brake suddenly, our lives can be changed forever. If a truck stops quickly, can you? Don't tailgate trucks. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. The latest issue of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey, who may well be the Ravens' next true defensive superstar in the lineage of Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and Terrell Suggs. Also inside, we introduce you to Maryland Navy, Towson, and Morgan State football players and everything you need to know for football betting as it launches in Maryland. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You've got questions. They've got answers. Sure, I mean, we'll go with that. It's Glenn and Paul on Glenn Clark Radio. Oh, into hour number two of the program. Continue to get me your slaps of the helmet. We will go over those in just a few minutes. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. It's been too long since we caught up with our next guest. You know he's one of our favorites. He once drove overnight 
to come do the show with Drew and I down in South Florida at the Super Bowl. He is, of course, our friend, former Ravens tight end, Mr. Dan Wilcox, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, brother? How are you? I'm doing great, my man. How about you guys? Everything is good, man. What are you up to? Give me. I saw you were at the fight on Saturday night. That looked like it was fun. It was, man. It was, it was actually my first fight. I haven't had a chance to get to an actual title fight ever in my life, man. So to have a, the experience that I had over at State Farm Arena was really, really good. That's cool. That's it's a big Atlanta's a big fight town too. I know Javante had a fight down there that way. I like I, I went to a bunch of fights in Vegas over the years. Like when I was living out in Arizona, I got the, the chance to go to some huge fights too. But like we had Javante fight on a Showtime fight here in Baltimore a couple years ago, man. And like, dude, it was people standing on their chairs. It was rabid. It was like the Beatles were in town. It was it was unbelievable, man. I'm like, oh, wow, what? that is awesome. It was That's such great. a cool it like a Ravens game. Yeah, right? It really was. And it felt that way, bro. It really <laughs> did feel that way. You're not kidding. What else are you up to, man? What else are you doing these days? Man, I'm building houses, man. Um, I'm down here in Atlanta in my hometown, and I started I started a company and Wilcox Custom Homes, and um, I build custom houses and do custom remodels on people's homes and stuff like that, man. So um, I also have an Airbnb company and doing a bunch of flips as well. So it's been fun. That's awesome, man. I'm happy to hear that, bro. It's, it's, so I know you were doing like a little bit in the football world still. I know you were up here couple years ago is there still do you dip your toes in that world at all anymore i haven't in the, i haven't since i left baltimore so when okay. i left baltimore i did the internship with um with the ravens yep. and i, I do it in the, in the player personnel department versus on the field i have been on the field coaching since i retired and i just wanted to give the other side of things a change uh, a chance and um i went over there and did that with the ravens and the player personnel department had a great great opportunity and um eric DeCosta actually offered me a position man and i you know, I, I told him to give, give me some time to think about it. He gave me some time. I, and I actually told him yes, and then COVID hit and kind of screwed everything up. Ah. Ah. Me and myself and Jared Johnson both was actually coming back to be in the player personnel department, and COVID kind of ruined it for both of us. But um, um, since then, I haven't really done anything else with football. I've just been really focusing on my company and just trying to build and grow, man, as much as possible. Man, well, all right. I'm bummed about that now that you tell me that. <laughs> that's really heartbreaking because we would have had you here and with yeah. the town. Oh, man, that's a real bummer. Well, uh, all right. We'll just try to move on anyway. Okay. I'm sorry, bro. That sucks. All right. Let, let, we want to talk to you. We're trying to figure out, man. Like, the Ravens are 5-2 and two and given everything they've been through, right? Like, we know that's remarkable. We know it's incredible. That this yeah. team, you know, if McCarry's out significantly, that would be the 18th dude that would be on IR for the Baltimore right. Ravens. It's 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 unreal what they have been through as a football team to still be five and two, but yet it was a big thud, obviously yesterday. I mean, it was a giant thud going into their bye with their performance, and we know the defense has struggled even when they've won, and we know that they have not run the ball consistently outside of Lamar Jackson when he's been running. H- how do you measure the positive of a 5-2 and two record versus the negatives that we're dealing with the Baltimore Ravens? Um, I think the positives are, of course, you're 5-2 and two, despite. You yep. know, like you got to take that and you got to be happy with that. And, I mean, you know, when they, they always say winning, winning hides everything, you know, so it doesn't matter what's going on behind the scenes. At the end of the day, they got a bunch of freaking injuries and a bunch of guys out, so it kind of messes with your chemistry of everything, you know. So the negative part is that the chemistry is probably all thrown off, but they've done a phenomenal job, Lamar and company, of, of actually, you know, taking that chemistry and, and making it seem like it's flawless and seamless. You know, you can't tell from the outside looking in that there's any chemistry problems at all, but 
normally what happens is O-lines get comfortable with running backs and they get comfortable with quarterbacks and, and, you know, they get comfortable with each other, you know. So every time you lose one guy, you have to start shifting guys around. It throws off the chemistry and then they have to gel all over again. And once they start to gel, you know, the running backs have been interchanged out so much. You know, you don't know if you got a twitchy guy, a speedy guy, or, you know, a strong guy running, you know, all these, a slasher, a, a guy that's going to go north and south or east and west sometimes. And you have to adjust to each running back that comes into the game as an old lineman. You, you, you know who's going to bounce it outside. You know, you get more holding penalties when they bounce it outside when they're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's so many things, man, that, that kind of throws off a rhythm of an offense. And Baltimore, for the first time in, in I feel like, the history of the Ravens, you know, can can legitimately say they have a a real offense where sure. they're dangerous and they're scary and people are actually afraid to play their offense versus the defense. It's always been historically known to be a defensive team. Um, and when, when you see the Ravens on defense, you know, you have so many missing components there, and the Ravens is all based upon their cornerbacks, their, their DBs and their secondary being the very, very strength of the team and their front three. You know, so they have they have missing pieces in that puzzle out. You know, it kind of it kind of holds you back from doing the things that you want to do defensively because Ravens have always been like a press man team, and then or a fire zone team where they play a little bit of zone, but they locking up on the corners still, and um they always gonna take your best player away, and then they're gonna attack you right up the middle, and, and they still gonna apply pressure even when they rush rush three. You know, so to be able to have a Calais Campbell out there definitely is huge for those guys, man. And and just to see the way they, those guys have have adapted to him being in the middle and and those guys being able to play around them and, and with each other. And I think the Ravens have done some phenomenal things this year, in spite of all the freaking injuries they had. And, and Glenn, when you look at when you really sit back and you look at the Ravens as a whole, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're where the NFL franchise should be. I you know. John Harbaugh and his staff, you know, they have done a phenomenal job, you know, like coaching and um, the player personnel department, finding those guys like Le'Veon Bells, all those guys that are sitting out and not playing right now and bringing those guys in on workouts and seeing that they're healthy and knowing that they will fit in well in the schemes that they're in. To be able to bring guys in like that, to, to give them a spell, I mean, the Devontae Freeman move, <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, you, you see all these great running backs and players that people just throw away. You know, one man's trash is another man's treasure, right? And um, we're able to snag a lot of those guys that people have forgotten about, and you bring them back in, and all of a sudden, you know, you're finding ways to win, you know, game one, game two, game three, all the way to five. So um, you saw what happened yesterday, of course. Um, and you can't say that's a fluke because the Bengals have an NFL program and an NFL team as well. And I think the Bengals came to play. I think they came in with the mindset, we know they're beat up, we know they're banged up, we got to take advantage of everything that they're missing. And I think they did just that. They attacked the Ravens' defense on all three levels, you know. And that was smart by them. So uh, there's so much there. Dan Wilcox with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. I uh, First of all, fully agree with what you're saying about the Ravens as, a, as an organization. And that it, it is. This is a testament to how well they do things, that they found themselves in this position at 5-2 and two, despite everything they've been through. That said... What you allude to about the offense and what we've been able to see from Lamar Jackson and probably the you know the deepest I, I this has got to be the deepest group of pass catchers that the Ravens have ever had in their franchise history, right? Like I mean this is this and I know that somebody would say hey that's kind of a low bar they they typically had good tight ends and maybe one wide receiver over the right. years. Um, that that said. If they can't run the ball to to take nothing away from you know their ability to try to find these guys. The, the consistency has not been there from the running backs. That's been pretty clear. And as a team, 
I brought up this number earlier, uh, Dan. As a team a year ago, the Ravens failed to run for 120 yards as a team just three times in 18 games, including the playoffs. They've already done it four times in seven games this season. Um, like, and, and, and I get it. Like, repeat, repeat that one more time. So as a, as a team, yeah, as a, as a team a year ago, they, they fell, failed to run for 120 yards in a game just three times in 18 games. This year, in seven games, they've fallen short of 120 rushing yards as a team in four of seven games. And still find a way to win. Now, that, and, that's fair, that, you know, and that speaks to what you're talking about, and that speaks, I think, specifically to Lamar Jackson, right? Like, that's how unbelievably good this cat is. Like, he's unreal. But the question that I have is, is that it, it's almost a bizarre world, right? Because remember, everybody was always asking about the, the Ravens' run you know, situation. What, is this sustainable? Can you do this when you get to the playoffs? I'm always like, why, why wouldn't it be, right? Like, they're unbelievably good at it. My question is almost the opposite. Can you continue to ask Lamar to do everything and win a Super Bowl that way, or are you inevitably going to run into a situation where you put too much all on his shoulders, and as good as he is, he can't save you every time? Well, I think I think what you have with Lamar is, is such a dynamic athlete and such a dynamic player. You know, right? He he he's not just the runner; he's the passer too. You know, he's not just the runner and passer, but he's the thinker as well, and he's the he's the guy that gives you some dynamic stuff that you go, you get nowhere else on the field. You know, so you always have to account for Lamar Jackson. Why are you accounting for Lamar Jackson? You forget about all the other pieces to the puzzle that's that's out there. Sure. You know, what people always, always, always forget about is confidence. You know, confidence in this league is the most important factor to anything. I, I don't care what nobody says. Every single player in the NFL is an NFL player. They're an elite athlete. They're one of the top athletes around the entire world. They're gladiators. All these guys can freaking play at a high level, but it's all about confidence. You know, so when you got running backs that, that played like Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman, at one point their confidence was at an all-time high. But once they started to kind of get the door slammed in their face, you know, you start to lose that confidence. and you start, you start to believe that people don't believe in you no more. And you still feel like you got it, but for some reason you can't get that other gear in because you've lost a little bit of that confidence that you had prior to that where you felt invincible. You know, so when you come into an organization like Baltimore and you even though you know guys are on IR, you still know you're not their guy. You know, you know they're waiting on those other guys to come back. You know they're – I mean, you look at three years ago when Mark Ingram was balling for the Baltimore Ravens. Then we go draft the running back and all of a sudden you barely see Mark Ingram. It's like, what? Like, where the heck is Mark Ingram? You know, mm-hmm. like he, mm-hmm. the guy was phenomenal. You know, and what you do when you start bringing all these different pieces in – is you kind of mess with the chemistry of your team a little bit. The the best thing about Baltimore is they look for chemistry. They look for the guys that actually is that guy a Raven. Before I go get this guy, yeah, he's a good ball player. Yeah, he's this, he's that. But is he a Raven? You know, does he meet our temperament status? Does he meet, you know, our personality status? Will he mess well in the locker room? Is he a good player? They're not trying to bring the cancer in in Baltimore. You know, they're going to get rid of him in a heartbeat. Trust me when I tell you. Like, they do right. everything they can to try to keep the chemistry right. You know, so right now, the Ravens are playing off just pure 
Baltimore football. This is Baltimore football. This is the city of Baltimore. We're gritty. We're grimy. You know, we're classy. We're, we're the charm city. You know, like we're going to fight to the, to, the, to, the, to the freaking end of every single game. We're going to fight for every inch on the field. They're playing because they're a Raven. You know, they're playing because they want to play like a Raven right now. So that's why they're finding ways to win games against teams that are sleeping on them. You know, the Bengals wasn't sleep at all. The Bengals came in that thing like, we're going to beat these boys up. And they came in, they tried to set the tone from the beginning of the game. I mean, I saw one ball where Mark Andrews got kind of thrown to the sideline. He didn't catch it, but he got shoved out of bounds almost like two or three yards right, out of bounds. Right, right. And I was like, that's a dirty, that's a dirty play. That's a, that's a play. It ain't dirty, dirty, but in the football world, it's like, all right, I just want you to know I'm here every single play. So the Bengals had that mentality of, all right, we're going to try to beat these boys up. We're going to try to thug them out a little bit, and we're going to let them know that we, we're here to win this game. We're not, we're not going to give them a chance. They beat the Ravens to the punch, which the Ravens normally do to everybody else. That's all it was. That's why they was able to get out on them a little earlier, and they had to play from – the Ravens had to play from behind the entire game. You know, but um, that won't happen around two. I can guarantee you that. So, <laughs> I'm, st- I'm, I'm, still, I'm still caught up with – like. Yeah, playing like a Raven, the Ravens football, that that has been bully ball, right, Dan? Like, that's been their mentality. Yeah. It, can they do that with this group of backs? Can they do that with the offensive line playing the way? And, like, it, if they can't, can they, can, they, can they win a Super Bowl without it? Like, that's the part that I'm really struggling with. To me, the, this is as simple as they've got to figure out how to run the ball more consistently, right? Like I, and, I'm, and I might be oversimplifying it, Dan. It might be, you know, just the easiest thing to say. No, you're not at all. I mean, I, I think, I think, I think the running the ball will come. You know, you'll figure out who's the, who's going to be the hot guy, who's going to be the premier guy as the season comes on. I mean, you watch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go to the Super Bowl last year, and then all of a sudden Fournette comes out of nowhere. You're like, dang, he ain't played that good. Fournette was balling. All of a sudden, he's the guy in Tampa, right? You know, it's the same thing. Somebody's going to step up and say, hey, all right, I'm starting to feel it. I'm in great shape now, and I was a little bit out of shape when I first came in. You know. I was a little banged up the first couple of four or five games I played. Now I'm starting to get healthy. I'm starting to get stronger. I'm starting to get in, in great shape. And then somebody's going to show up. And they, when they show up, they're going to show up strong because all the other pieces are already still there. Even though the Ravens are as banged up and as beat up as they are, the next man up has always super, always been super important for Baltimore. So the guys that are behind those starters, a lot of times are just as good as those starters. They just never get a chance to really show what they can do. And, and it's really important that they confidence build week in and week out, you know. So it's really, really important that that happens for these guys. You know, at the end of the day, these guys are fresh out of college. A lot of these guys are still kids. You know, even though they're grown men, they're still kind of young, wet behind the ears, you know, and they still have to develop. You know, a lot of these, it's going to take three, four years for the development to happen. As this thing matures throughout this season, if the Ravens could just continue to find a way to win each quarter, right? You know, I always look at it like it's four quarters of a football season because it's 16 games. So every four games is one quarter. You know, you got to win two games. You got to win two games every quarter to, to break even. By that time, end of the season, you'll be eight and eight. You know, so if you can win three out of those two games every quarter, right now they're five and two, so they're ahead of the curve right now. You know, so when if you could continue to win three of those three of those four games every single month, the Ravens putting themselves in a situation, you know, where they're going into the playoffs on a high note. Yeah, so they only losing four or five, six games a year. And then they go into the playoffs on a high note, and then they know they don't have all their guns. You know, as they start to get some of their guns back, and then these guys start to develop their confidence, the Ravens are only going to get stronger, only going to get better, period. 
I think I think you might be right, and I hope you're right. I'm just admittedly I'm nervous about whether or not they're gonna get. I, I hearing you say that you think they're gonna get it figured out, man. I hope so. I'm nervous about it, man. I just have not seen it from this group of backs. I have not. <clears throat> I I I've I've seen you know when the, against the Chargers and the Chargers bad have a bad run defense. I've seen it. Yeah. I, you know, outside of that, I've just not. You know, they get to the corner even when there's space. You're just not seeing much happen from this group of guys. I just don't think they've got it with this group of running backs, Dan. That's what I'm nervous about. I I, I, mean, you got, you I hope I'm wrong. Who they, who, who they have. Who, all right, who all they have in the backfield right now? I know they got Le'Veon Bill. I know they got Devontae Freeman. Who and, else well, if Murray comes back, right, like, you know, they didn't have him yesterday, but they're hoping to get Latavius Murray back. And then Tyson Williams, who mm-hmm. – you know they've been reluctant to put on the field, right? Like they've they've they, he's been inactive. He was only active yesterday because Murray was out, and right. I, it's 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 rough. I mean, it's rough with this group of guys. And I, it's easy for me to sit back and say, well, go trade for a back. Obviously, that's easier said than done, right? Like it's you know, yes, go. I I think they should be trying to explore trading for a back, but finding a dynamic. Um, uh, a back that's not going to cost you a money that's going to put you over the cap or cost you such draft capital that you're willing to do it. It's that's that's not easy. That's not easy. So I'm. That's why I'm nervous about it. I'm nervous about it because I'm just. I'm nervous about this group, man. Right. I mean, I I, I think at the end of the day, you know, Le'Veon Bell was Le'Veon Bell. Let's not forget who he was. You know, Devontae Freeman has always been that that twitchy scat back. You know, catch balls out the backfield, make plays, make people miss in the open yeah. field. And you and you're seeing flashes of that from those two guys. Keep in mind, these guys came in in the beginning of the season. They was not Ravens this offseason. They did not go through training camp. They did not go through summer camp. They did not go through OTAs. None of that offseason conditioning stuff with the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. So they're coming in. They're meeting guys for the first time. You know, sometimes that's an intimidating experience to come in and be expected to play right away and contribute. Everybody's counting on you to make plays. That puts you in a very sticky situation, especially if you're not in tip-top shape when you come in. And especially if you don't know the offense when you first come in. These guys are literally learning the playbook as they go. You know, every single week it's a new set of plays for these guys. You know, they're expanding the playbook week in and week out. Yeah, the protections are the same. You know what 200 jet is, 300 jet, you know, scat and all that type of stuff. You know, and you're starting to learn your hot fakes and your hot reads. But, you know, they're going to miss assignments just yeah. because they're in school. And they're not, even, it's not, they're not even been in this offense a long period of time. So that makes the playbook the playbook extremely limited for the Baltimore Ravens staff. They have to put in plays that these guys can learn quickly and be able to evolve to, considering the fact they have not been in this offense a full season or a full year or off season at all. These and you talking about we in week what week seven week yep. eight now? Yep. You know you talking about seven weeks of practice for these guys, and they have to learn the NFL playbook. I hear you. I hear you. Real NFL games against real season guys that's been doing this thing forever, like. But, you know, they, I mean, the NFL playbook is not an easy playbook to learn. As these guys learn and gain their confidence, and they know for sure what 26 power is and 27 power is, you know, then that's when you're going to start to see Le'Veon Bell be Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman be Devontae Freeman. Like right now they're probably checking down on, on routes. They're not even sure they're supposed to be checking down. You know, they, they, they're still making mistakes week in and week out. You may not see those mistakes because offense is organized chaos. You know, so sometimes you don't see it. You know, but when you do see it, it's very noticeable. You see Lamar running for his freaking life. You see a jail break up the middle and right. free coming free because the guy didn't feel the hole he was supposed to feel. Then you start to kind of understand, like, hey, all right, let's give these guys a little bit of a break, and and they're going to develop. 
I mean, they're, they're, they're professionals. You know Le'Veon Bell. You know Devontae Freeman are professionals. I'm gonna, you I'm, don't know nothing else. I'm going to hold you to it. We're going to talk again here in a couple weeks, and we're going to okay. say, where are we? And if, you, and if you're right, I'm going to say, Dan Wilcox, I should have never doubted you, my friend. I should have <laughs> known better. That's what I'm going to say then. It's all about confidence. I promise you, bro. Like, even, when you, even when you're doing what you're doing on the radio, you know, your first couple of shows with a new company or a new group, you're like, I'm right, kind of shaky. I don't know if I can push the limits here. You know, there's some things that are different from the last thing yeah, you so was on. You clearly were listening, and I appreciate that. <laughs> you were clearly listening. Hey, man, you know how this thing goes, man. Know, it's dude. like that in every single field. We're, we're all here to win. We're all, we're all are professionals at what we do. You know, we're a pro for a reason, and we, we want to be the best at what we do no matter what. And these, trust me, these are not the type of guys that want to let another 53 guys, 54, 56, 60 guys down. They want to definitely, you know, hold their end of the weight. They're going to start showing up week in and week out. Just watch. All Just right. watch it. All right. Uh, at Coach Wilcox on Twitter. That's how you follow him. And WilcoxCustoms.com. How's your family doing? How's everything uh, going at home? Everything's wonderful, man. The wife is as beautiful as ever. And yeah. um, both boys, my oldest son decided to play a little bit of football this year. He's playing a little defensive end. And um, my youngest son decided he wanted to play golf, so we're going to get him signed up with a golf program. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Very cool. Very, yeah. very cool. Uh, uh, we love you, brother. Let's, uh, let's not make this. Let's, let's do it uh, uh, sooner, all right? Let's do this in a few weeks. Let's, let's catch up again, all right? Give me a call back, G. I'm here for you, bro. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you, Dan. Bye-bye. Dan Wilcox, former Ravens tight end. Great dude. One of our favorites over the years. I, I just can't. I just, I just can't. I can't just accept that it'll get better. I just don't see it. I don't think this is any longer about playbook. They're not doing anything even when they have a corner. There's just no burst. I think they are who they are. I I thought Latavius Murray would be serviceable, and you could argue he's been serviceable. I think he's been on the low end of serviceable, but serviceable. And you can argue Devontae Freeman's been okay catching passes. You can say, like, you know, he offers you something in that way. But you just, there's no burst. There's no one who's taking whatever space is there and turning two yards into ten. If two yards is there, they're going and getting the two. So you could say it could be worse. I mean, I guess they could not even get the two. That's possible. But that's, that's what they're doing. I just, I just can't, I can't just believe that it's going to get better. Uh, it's, I, I, I wish I could. I hope I'm wrong. I hope badly that I'm wrong about that and that it does get better. But very difficult for me to just believe that it will. All right, if you're not playing underdog fantasy football, I have no idea what you're waiting for. Download the underdog app. Go to underdogfantasy.com right now. Use the code PRESSBOX. When you deposit $10 or more, you get $10 free to play with. It's not just the daily and weekly fantasy games that you've grown to know and love. It's also um, player props, parlays, things along those lines. They got it for you, underdog fantasy football. It feels like you're betting, which is good because you still can't do that in the state of Maryland for whatever effing reason. So stupid. Just also a reminder, send an email, swark, S-W-A-R-C, at mlis.state.nd.us, and let them know how you feel. Nincompoops. Well, yeah, you don't have to do that. The point, Underdog Fantasy Football. Download the Underdog app. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Deposit $10 or more. Use that code PRESSBOX. Get $10 free to play with with Underdog Fantasy Football. 
Jeremy Kahn joins us next. Then we'll dish out some slaps to the helmet. That's that's coming up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Mike Ashley dives in on 20 seasons for Brenda Freeze as the head coach of the Maryland women's basketball team as she looks back but also looks forward. Plus, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from every D1 program in the area. And the very first Baltimore interview with Elijah Green, the son of former Raven Eric Green, who could well be the Orioles' pick with the number one spot in next year's MLB draft. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com what's up everybody this is times bowser i can't wait to see you guys for the times bowser show this fall we're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area you can meet me and my very special guests if you can't make it out you can watch the show on live on pressbox facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Ties Bowser Show. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Maryland, this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hey, it's KZ. The Pressbox Fantasy Football Show is back, as always, on Thursdays. You can catch it at 1130. We're brought to you this year, CCBC and Glory Days Grill. You can catch the show two ways, facebook.com slash Sports or pressboxonline.com slash radio. The slash radio is if you want to listen. On Facebook is if you actually want to see my ugly face. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. DFS, daily lineups, keepers, all kinds of fun stuff. Please tune in, Pressbox Fantasy Football Show every Thursday, 11.30 a.m. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, (laughs) Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Ah, yeah, back in here on GCR. Monday edition of the program. If you haven't picked up the new print issue of Press Box yet, make sure you get to your new your your new any Royal Farms will do. It doesn't have to be a new one. Although I visited a new one recently. I visited the one on Pedonia Road in Timonium on Saturday. You can go to that one or you can go to any of the old ones. They've all got this new print issue of Press Box, which is available right now. Brenda Freeze on the covers, twentieth season for her as the head coach at Maryland. A lot of college basketball content in there. Go pick it up right now. That new print issue of Press Box. Joining us now, as he does every Monday, he's our friend Jeremy Kahn, and he's back with us here on GCR. 
so I, I, am I not working out enough? You didn't get me anything for National Tight Ends Day, you jerk. Yeah, and you didn't tell me you were in Timonium. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, I was making a pit stop. <laughs> I was making a pit stop in Timonium there. Boy, I was, did uh, you say pit, or did you say pit? Oh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't I, get you anything. I didn't realize it was National Tight Ends Day. How did you not realize it? It was beaten upside your head a billion times by everyone related to the National Football League yesterday. What uh, I'm F. so tired of all these days. Like, Rob does it on, on our show where – he gives out what day it is. It's National Donut Day. I like, did. Who came up with that? You know, I did. I did that bit for a little while, actually. I did. This is so. We've we've since found out Les Miles not a great guy, which is a bummer. Because <laughs> do you remember years ago there was a rant that Les Miles did about Columbus Day? Do you remember this at all? No. Okay. It's one of the most random. And this again was when we all thought Les Miles was just this cheeky kind of silly guy, and so we wanted we were inclined to like him. It it is one of the dumbest things. I don't know if the audio would play. Um, I'm seeing if I can find a transcription so I could read it. Like he 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 walked up to the podium and did a press conference when he was at LSU on Columbus Day, and he said along the lines of, uh, "Don't forget today is uh, Columbus Day. So if you know anyone who's uh, Italian or uh, enjoys uh, searching for uh, for new lands, uh, t- today's your day." Um, it's not, and then, and then he like, he, he double, he said something like it's, uh, it's, it's not, uh, it's not Labor Day. That's a, that's a different day altogether. It was the most random, like combination of words that I had was ever it? heard from anyone that I played it nonstop on my show for a little while. Cause it was my <laughs> favorite thing. And then a listener had an idea to start a fake Les Miles holidays, Twitter account, <laughs> And so every day, he and I, one of us, would send a tweet from this Twitter account that was like Les Miles wishing everyone, uh, you know, a happy National Tight Ends Day. We'd be like, it's it's National Tight Ends Day. If you know someone who used to be a basketball player or who's got a uh, who's got a, a extraordinary vertical but isn't fast, uh, today is your day. It's 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 not national take your child to work today. That's a different day altogether. And we would send a tweet yeah. like that every day until literally we got a message from Les Miles who was like, dude, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I love this. Oh, and then, really? Well, that's and, interesting. And, and, right? So two things happened. One, we were like, well, that's the end of it, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> but, that, We don't never really knew what the point of the whole bit was, but once we got that message, we were like, all right, we can kill off the Twitter account. There's nothing left. And then I was going on about how great Les Miles was for, like, years. <laughs> <laughs> Only to find out he was actually, a, you know, kind of a, a, a dirtbag. You so. clearly jumped the shark on that one, then, right? You, you figured it was it was over with. But did you see Mike Leach and his candy? Oh, did I ever? Drive? Did I ever? Yeah. Did I ever, man? I love. It. I mean, interesting guy. I can't. And that's the thing too. I'm sure people would tell me there are some things that I shouldn't like about Mike Leach, right? But I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't help it. He wins me back every time. <laughs> like every time, <laughs> he wins me back with something like that. He just wins me. If you haven't seen. Mike Leach going off about it's it's I don't really care what he had to say about candy corn as much as he was so happy to talk about candy corn in the immediate aftermath of a football game. I mean, like 20 seconds after a football game ended, when all of those interviews are typically like, you know, what did you see? And they're all very angry. He was so happy to spend 90 seconds just going on a diatribe about candy corn like there was no 
well, why would you ask me that right now? There was no, what, we just played a football game. What do you, there was none of that. He was just so happy to be talking about anything other than the football game and specifically about yeah, candy it, corn. Well, and it's funny, too, like with a guy like Mike Leach, I, I want to sit down and talk with him, but I don't even want to talk football. And, right. You know, there's like, you know, I love Jimmy Patos and I love talking basketball with Jimmy Patos, but I love talking about everything else but basketball more than I actually talk like talking but the, with him, but the so. problem with Jimmy Patsos is you have to you have to go to a commercial break at some point, point. <laughs> yeah. and he has no concern for that whatsoever. <laughs> I love him, man. Oh, I, trust me, I love Jimmy too, man. I love Jimmy. But you end up you do something with him, and you ask him a question about Mark Turgeon, and suddenly you realize he's telling you about the Ravens Patriots game on Sunday night. You're like, what just happened here? Like, what the? Yeah, I, I get down, I get way down that rabbit hole where we start talking about something, and before I know it, we're talking about codes from the Da Vinci, you right, know, like little right. secrets in a Da Vinci code. And I'm like, where the hell did we get to this? What the, what the, hell, just, what the hell just happened there? All right, so um, I, I'm, I'm in this, I'm, I'm going to pose the same thing to you that I posed to everybody else this morning. How do you measure the Ravens being 5-2 and two and how remarkable it is against just how much of a thud that was and the re-exposure of the offensive line issues, the run game issues, the defensive issues that they've been able to overcome at times to win games anyway. Well, I just saw like a, a tweet that was put out that the Ravens had given up, what was it, almost as many 40-yard or more plays this year as they have in like the last, what was it, four or five years combined or something like that. I mean, they're just giving up big play after big play. It's really weird to look at this team and try to, you know, figure out what's wrong. Um because if you go back, a, we're a week removed from talking about one of the more dominating performances. I, here, let me, let, me, let me give you just a number real quick. They came into yesterday 10th worst in the NFL at 5.9 yards per play that they had allowed. And then yesterday mm-hmm. they allowed 8.3 yards per play. So mm-hmm. I'd have to see if that's been updated. This was something that I found last night, and I, hopefully it's been updated and I can give you it. But, yeah, it ain't great. Well, and, and, Glenn, like I, I've been kind of talking about this from, from week one where – it's kind of a, a – you're almost asking a question like, is this a good team? And it seems like a silly question, but they're 5-2. and two. They have an MVP candidate, Lamar Jackson. You know they can put up points with the best of them. But, I mean, like, realistically, if we look at all the factors of what we have, you know, they needed a record-breaking field goal to beat the, the Lions after, you know, coming off an emotional win against Kansas City in which they came back, won that game, and now we're looking at Kansas City going, hmm, I'm not sure how good they are, right. um, especially defensively, which, you know – we all, I think we were all betting they, we, we would bet that they figure it out at some point because that offense is just too good. Um, and then we see them utterly dominate the Chargers, and now I have questions going, was that because of you know the Chargers, and we talked about it, they're going into their bye week, the West Coast, the East Coast thing. They showed up Saturday night for some reason, deciding to fly out, which made no sense. And I don't want to diminish or take away from the Ravens dominating games, but you know, they're 5-2, and two, and anybody would have taken that getting to this point, but are they going to make corrections over some of the issues they had? And one of the, one of the key things that I, I kept talking about was, you know, we, we all learn from losses. We all learn from mistakes. But when the Ravens are finding ways to win games ugly, Colts, Chiefs, uh, what happened at the end of the Lions game, you know, they found ways to come back and win all those games. Um, do you inherently look at it and go, hey, we got to win and you're celebrating? Or do you go back and say, what did we do wrong? Why did we get to that point where we're not just taking knees at the end of the game because we dominated like we have in years past? And it, it's kind of a cool thing if you can learn from a win, but I, I don't know. I don't I don't see a lot of changes on the team, and you hope in this bye week that they can figure some things out. By the way, for the record, it's 6.3 yards per play now that they've given up. It's tied for the second worst in the NFL behind the, only the Kansas City Chiefs at 6.6. 
have allowed more yards per play this season than the Baltimore Ravens. And their Ravens defense have. is horrendous. Yes, is 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 known as the worst defense in the NFL. That's that's the reality of the circumstances. Uh, Jeremy Kahn is with us here on GCR. Jeremy, to me, it's as bad as that is. I am convinced that the defense would be better. Not perfect. Not great. And I'm not talking about a 2000 Ravens defense but would be better and perhaps good enough if they could run the ball. If the Ravens could run the ball and keep the defense off the field a little bit more, I think they could be good enough that they could they could they could win. I mean they'd still have to tackle like they have to tackle better. We we can only say that they have to tackle better. But I think they could be good enough if the Ravens could just run the ball. I just have so little faith that they're going to be able to figure that out with this, you know, banged up offensive line that now is likely going to lose Patrick McCarry as well, and the combination of these running backs they have. I I just have no reason to think this group, as constructed, I mean, there's still time for them to try to find help from the outside, is going to be able to figure out a way to consistently run the ball the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I I said it this morning, and I, I hate the idea of it because I do believe I don't believe that running backs don't matter, but I also believe that you know it when you don't have any and and that's where the Ravens are right now like there were we've all been asking why isn't Tyson Williams on the field and then I saw two specific plays yesterday one of which where he looked confused when Lamar was calling an audible like he didn't know what play he was going to and then he kind of half-assed it off the field when they were trying to hurry up which seems kind of you know um, it's definitely not wanted so you you need to switch some things up but I'm done with the Le'Veon Bell experiment, uh, and I'm not going to sit here and say, man, I can't wait until Latavius Murray gets back. He's fine, but he should be an additional piece to someone else. And it's it's nobody's fault. You lost your three running backs you expected to be on the roster. So now do you mortgage something, you know, sixth-round pick, seventh-round pick, or whatever the asking price may be to try to go get a Marlon Mack who would fit better in this offense? Or, you know, and, and you only need him really for a year or for the rest of this year. You don't need him going forward. So it seems like a real silly thing to give up a draft pick for, but I don't think they're in any position because you have a shot to win now. Like, you had the number one seed, and then now you have everybody questioning after one game. And I'm not to the point where I'm going to sit here and tell you, oh, this team is so dreadful, they can't do this, they can't do that. Their offense is still pretty damn good, even without having a running game. And what year is it? Because, you know, when, when will we ever expect to sit here and say, oh, my God, I'm concerned about the defense and the running game, but the passing game is good. It feels like we're in some different multiverse here uh, with the Ravens as it stands. Um, it it's it it really does feel like you're asking Lamar Jackson to go do this all right, like yeah. that that and that either you're gonna either Lamar Jackson's going to be such a superhero the rest of the way that you immediately build the statue afterwards because what he did was you know uh, historic, or th- this is just not going to happen. And I'm, when I say not going to happen, I'm not even talking. I, the AFC, to, to your point about the Chiefs, like the AFC right now clearly does not feel nearly as top-heavy as it did a month ago. And while we think the Bills are pretty good and the Bengals clearly deserve credit for, lo- for winning yesterday, I don't know that you're living in fear of these types of teams. I, I still think the Ravens very much can be a good football team and can be in the mix in the AFC. I just I don't think they can win a Super Bowl without running the football. I don't, I, I'm, I'm, it's so hard-pressed to me to fathom a scenario by which, how good can Lamar Jackson be? Like, can you? I don't think. I don't think it's possible. I think it's crazy to have that conversation. As good as I think Lamar Jackson is, I don't think you can do that without having a run game. Yeah, and and you know, like again, Marlon Max, the only name that's been out there. I was just saying to the guys today, like, been watching all year long as the Atlanta Falcons just look dreadful, and now they've won three out of their last four. And I, me, I'd been a guy like interested in a, in a player like Mike Davis, who. You know, it's 
fine in pass pro, can catch the ball, can run the ball, and I think he's vastly underrated in the grand scheme of things and not necessarily a household name. Right. But, no, yeah, there are other I'm, players yep, as well. I'm listening. I, I'm absolutely listening on the running backs, and somebody would say, well, yeah, but you got to try to acquire a tackle too. You, you might. I mean, you might. Yeah. Um, well, they, they've been, they've been uh, picking up all the dented cans that the NFL has to offer with, you know, they tried to get the kid from oh, yeah. Dallas. And, Didn't want to come and in. Now yeah. he's not coming in. Um, and then they, they grabbed two other interior linemen. And, again, just grabbing guys from other teams doesn't mean they can't come in and have success, but more than likely I'm going to bet against it if right. they're just – available and out there outside of making a trade and the only thing that you have to trade are draft picks really unless there's a player on your team that somebody else is interested in that you're not interested in and that's kind of a weird find sometimes it happens uh i.e marcus peters and you give up a a draft pick and and a player that you didn't want that was unhappy here you know so be it if if another team's interested in him wants to kick the tires on him but there's really not a lot to offer outside of draft picks and the sad part is once you pay lamar you're going to want to have all those draft picks. You need cheap talent at that point. Yeah, I still don't. I mean, 10 draft picks a year from now, including five in the fourth round. Like, I I, yeah. I, I get what you're saying, and I brought that up yesterday, but you've got the capital. You've got the capital. You're you're not putting that many fourth-round picks on your roster next season. Like, it's just not happening. Remember, the last time they had five fourth-round picks was the year everybody was going gaga over, oh, this might be the greatest round I've ever seen from a team in the draft. And what they have to show from that round, this was five years ago, yeah. is Tavon Young, like who's who's been okay. Like, he's been all right, but that's it. That's all they have to show from that fourth round from those years. It was Chris Moore and Kenneth Dixon and Willie Henry, and it was just, oh, my God, what a spectacular. This is why the Ravens are so different. This is why the best drafting team ever. For God's sake! What are you talking about? They turned Willie Henry into a draft pick or yeah. player from the Steelers, right? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Kenneth Dixon. God, I, I love that guy coming out of college. Nope, what so did I. That was so did I. But um, he could he he had, he had no interest in blocking. He had zero interest in throwing a block. Yeah. And they said, "You're going to get somebody killed. We ain't putting you on the field." That's the way that it's going to go. Ah, uh, how was your how was your betting weekend? Ugh. So Saturday I split and I had a couple of tough losses. Like it was a, a 500 day. Um, and then yesterday, so, so far in the NFL season, I've had, I mean, I have to go back and look at it, but on my show, uh, that I do on Sunday mornings on 1300, um, eight to 10, if people want to listen in, I'll be doing that every, every week. But, uh, I'm actually and not on just DC. on 1300, by the way, it's across the country. Jeremy's yeah, underselling that. For yes. people locally here. Yes. I'm, I told Rob, I said, I got on BET before he did. It's the bet network. So, ah, oh, um, very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Like how I threw that in there. Yeah. Um, but no, no, like I was hitting 70% of my picks on there. I went one and four on my picks this week. I, I finally got my prop bets up. I've had such bad luck. Like I had Miles Sanders over 60 yards. He looked great on their first drive, rolls his ankle. Um, I've had a couple of those this year where my player gets hurt or something goofy happens. But, uh, you know, and then I had just had a bloodbath yesterday. The, the one game that I was really adamant about um, outside of my lock was, was, that the Carolina Panthers should not be favored over anybody. And I know how bad the Giants are. God. I'm definitely not you know, paying a price for them on the road um, and, and them giving up points. And then the Giants end up handling them because Sam Darnold looks got awful now. But I, I loved San Francisco last night. And I was patting myself on the back after the first quarter mm. and going, what in the hell is happening now? Like, they, they just couldn't score. They just, you know, it was, it was ugly. I, well, I mean, so they, I were, they were playing in yeah. literally a bomb cyclone last night. Yeah. <laughs> I thought jumping out to a lead would have been very, very helpful to, to yeah. maintaining that. And that you wasn't the case. That. So. All right, I want to pose this to you, uh, Jeremy Kahn, before I let you go this morning. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but there is a podcast that's coming out from the Blue Wire Network that's called mm-hmm. The Rumor. 
and it dives into, it's a deep dive podcast all about the night the lights went out in Baltimore and I did see kept this. Cal Ripken's streak alive. Now, I've not listened to this podcast, and frankly, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to. I, it's just not, this, this one is not for me. For some of you guys, it's let, let it be there for you. Let, you know, play up your conspiracy theory cards. It's all, God bless. I, it's this, as an adult, I have learned, right, this is nonsense. So I'm not, I'm not going to engage with it. But instead. Are you going to ask for my favorite Kevin Costner movie? Yeah, no, I was, it, it's Waterworld. Everybody knows that. That's the answer. It's, it's a, it's a timeless epic. I mean, like, for God's sake. By the way, what, why, why is Dune such a big deal? And I don't, like I just I, I don't understand why Dune is such a big deal. Like it's I all it. it was it was okay at best. Like I don't I don't know why everybody's like fawning over it, but okay. Yeah, I, okay, so there's that to boot. I just don't understand like people were treating it like it was a new Star Wars movie coming out. I'm like, what? Yeah. Is is what is Dune? It's some book that like did I never read it. Like I know nothing about and and people are probably like, "Oh, you're such an old man right now." I just didn't get why everybody was talking about it like it was the most important motion picture that had ever come out. I'm like, but what, 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 what world am I living in? Anyway, it's been twice, right? So they they did it in the uh, what early '80s, and then there was the made-for-TV Dune that they did in two parts. Um, but like, it's just I don't I don't like I was watching it, and maybe I somebody said you got to rewatch it and make sure you're paying close attention because. I'm trying to figure out what the hell's going on. I know these people are fighting those people. I thought he died. No, he's alive. Or what? What happened to this? And what? It's spice. That's what. Is it just any spice? Like, is it cinnamon or was it? What's this? You know, they're all protecting some sort of spice that's important. Uh, I, I I have no idea what's going on in it. And like, I was into the movie watching it, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, that's it. It just ended. Oh. Um, okay. Oh. No, it's a, right. that's a glowing review. I'll make sure I spend three hours with that in any moment. I mean, it's, now. it's just okay. Like, the people talking about it. Like, if you want to talk about visually, I think it's amazing some of the things they did. But eh, I, you, know, right. you know what everybody was raving about, like, in visually, too? Like, everybody was going on about how Mad Max Fury Road was, like, the most incredible-looking film of all time. And I remember, like, watching it in 20 minutes in. I'm like, I have a headache. Like, I have a headache looking at all of this. I can't even stay with it. Like it's I just couldn't stop talking about the guitar player. Like that was <laughs> that guy was the that best. That guy was the best. You're not wrong about that. <laughs> By the way, for the record, I support everything that Dave Batista does. I want to make that very clear. Big Dave yes. Batista guy, but I, I just didn't get all the hype with Dune. No, my question was if you were given if if the next project that Odyssey came to you with was to say, Jeremy um, we we need you to dive in, do a deep dive podcast about something that you've had questions about, that you've been interested in, that you want to get to the bottom of. And I've I I know what mine would be. What would yours be? Oh man, um, I there there's a couple things that I have questions about. Uh, some of it would would most notably surround the Patriots and some of the hijinks that's going on at that stadium in Foxborough. Okay. Um, if it were a passion project for me, I'd want to go back to, and this isn't going to be something for everyone else, the Aaron Pryor-Alexis Arguello fight. That's the one where allegedly um, they were saying there was something in his gloves and what was he drinking because he beat the ever-loving crap out ah. of that guy and he was never the same afterwards. But okay. there are a couple of those. Like, there's a lot of boxing stuff that I want to know what happened behind the scenes because it just doesn't make sense. Um, and in, in staying with that, I, I, the boxing theme, I'd like to know what happened to Arturo Gatti after, you know, that, mm. did they ever solve his murder? So mm. those are a couple of things that I would say were, would be somewhat passion projects. Maybe I'm more interested in it than most. I want to know what happened to that damn plane that we still haven't found for eight years. 
<laughs> we we just gave up. We just said, well, there there it goes. Like that's what I wanted. Didn't to... we didn't we do a TV show about that? Did, did we? I don't know. Maybe ma- maybe we did. Oh yeah, we did. That, right, we did do that. No, so eight, Netflix now or whatever. Something? Eight nine know. years ago, whatever it's been, we lost a plane. Talked about it endlessly for for six months. And then just forgot about it. We were just like, "Well, that's that. <laughs> we did we did our best, guys." But that plane's gone forever. There's it's an effing jet that we just lost forever. That and um, and selfishly, I would want to be the guy to finally do the deep dive on exactly. I, I, I there has to be more. And this is the problem is that, like, because John Harbaugh is still the coach of the team, like, I could never – I would still like to sit down and do a deep dive on the Bolden thing. Like, I would still like to do a, a sit down and do a 10-part yeah. ten, series on – no, 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 you have to tell the truth. You have to tell me exactly what you were thinking here because everyone with a brain knew this was insane, and yet you just did it anyway. Like, th- there was no one that thought this was a good idea – You've got to explain it to me like I'm five. Like, was it was it just th- there was something that that Ozzy didn't like about the way that Anquan Bolden practiced and said if I if I can't get him to take two million dollars less, then I'm going to be punitive. Like that, I would need to sit down and have every possible conversation about it to figure I, out. You the know, story. the other one that we could do is uh, we could create Misery Two, the scariest movie ever made. The, the unlikely downfall of the Jets after Super Bowl three, like oh. everything that's happened to them. Oh, and God. you just go through all the quarterbacks and the front offices and the head coaches and going, this is a tragedy of a football team. I, I had, I had someone recommend to me because I brought it up. I, the, 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 inter, the interception that they ended up ruling was a fumble from Carson Wentz last night. In, yeah. in live action, looked like the worst throw in the history of football. Like, I mean, it was just an abomination. Then, obviously, on replay, you saw that his, you know, like he he was impacted by the defender, and so. But it, it literally so it just, should have been called a fumble, is what you're saying. Yeah, and well, and they did. They ultimately they ultimately ruled it as a fumble by the end of the night. By the end of the night, they went back and changed it from an interception to a fumble. So he was credited with no picks last night. Um, if it doesn't hit the ground, how is it not a? I don't. Anyways. Because they're saying it only came out because of the content. Like the, it's it's a whole thing. Anyway, the moral of the story is: in the moment, I said that's the worst highlight I've seen from a football player since the butt fumble. And then yeah. I I got a similar like the, when you use the word butt fumble, so much comes to mind that I think you could do a literal ten part podcast just on the butt fumble, just on the most maybe the most iconic play in football history like when you say that term everyone knows exactly what you're talking about everyone thinks about it and it's the only thing they associate with mark sanchez they utterly forget the fact that he literally took the team to two afc championship games like it's all all forgotten completely forgot the only thing that is ever thought and thought thought and thought of with mark sanchez is that moment i think you could do a 10-part podcast series alone on the butt fumble because it's that iconic of a moment in football history. That kind of goes back to the old adage that I can't I can't repeat in full. It's like you can build a thousand bridges, but if you do this one thing, you'll be known as this <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. instead of a bridge builder. Yeah, hundred percent. He's the butt accurate. fumble guy. He's the butt fumble guy. One hundred percent accurate. You you do that one thing with that one animal. Yep. <laughs> ah, Jeremy Khan, what's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show? So uh, all this week, uh, we'll obviously be focus- focusing on uh, all the issues that the Ravens have at hand. Um, you know, trying to figure out what they should do. The trade deadline, we're, what, a week away now from it. And, yep. Um, what type of move should they make? Should they mortgage part of their future, like we've talked about, uh, to go make the team better now? I'm in the side of yes, but and we'll give our reasons why throughout the week. 
All right. Uh, at JeremyCon1057 on Twitter. Of course, his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. And, of course, the Big Bag Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan. Appreciate you, pal. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks, man. Jeremy Khan, 105.7 The Fan, and uh, PressBoxOnline.com. Appreciate him. Every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. You know that. Who am I telling? You guys have been there. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single-game tickets now available at BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. Let's dish out some slaps to the helmet. By the way, you going to listen to that podcast at all? I might. I, I, I might. I'm not a big even though I've done podcasts and I've been on podcasts, I'm not a big podcast guy. I'm not a big not big on listening. I'm to more them. of a I'm more inclined to listen to radio shows in podcast form than I am that which is funny because I'm not really inclined to listen to radio. Like I'm out of that world just because I don't think it's done. But like the the people that were radio hosts that did good entertaining day to day shows talking about the topics of the day that have now moved into podcast form, the Michael Maras of the world. I like I'll listen to that. But, like, these types of podcasts have not typically been the types of shows that I've listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like, you know, I, I listened to a, a Didi Kinkabwala's podcast because she asked me to. Um, and, I, and I thought it was good. I thought it was a good concept, right? Like, and I, I, I don't know that I'd listen to every one. But when I see something that's interesting, I'm, I'd be inclined to listen. Now, it's also part of that is that she's my friend. And so I'm more inclined to listen because of that. Um, I, this, I, I get why... People are interested in it. It's salacious. It's got teeth. It's got all of those things. But I know enough to know it's all nonsense. Well, there's video evidence, I believe, of Cal on the field when the lights go out. Uh, uh, something in, in, like in, that. In pregame warm-up. Something so like it's, it's, um, it's poppycock. Yes. I, yeah, I there you Look at you. It's poppycock. It, yeah, Very it's, well done. It's... I don't even know if Kevin Costner's ever met Cal Ripken or his well, wife. We, we do know that because they've been photographed together. A couple oh, okay, times. But, okay. But I mean, that's, I've never seen these photos at all. I I included it. I did a. Oh, I'm trying to remember when I did this. I did. I want to say last year during the pandemic. I believe I did a myths uh, when we do the 15 for print. Um, I did the 15 Baltimore sports legends and myths. I remember is I think is what I titled it and kind of covered a bunch of different things baltimore sports myths and legends it was in the uh july 2020 issue of press box and i did it um oh it was because steve dalkowski had passed away steve dalkowski of course was the former orioles farmhand who inspired the nuke lelouch character in uh, bull durham and the the legend the myth was that he could throw the ball 115 miles an hour like that was the, the the myth of Steve Dalkowski, and Cal Ripken Sr. Had, was the one who had said he could throw 115 miles an hour. Earl Weaver said he could throw harder than Nolan Ryan. Like, at, and we and we just can't really prove any of it other mm-hmm. than these these anecdotes. But I mentioned it, and the way that um, and I said it, I said if somehow you're the only person in Baltimore who isn't aware of the uh, Kevin Costner myth, you're better off not knowing. It's always been insane, and it deserves no further ink. There's never been any factual debate about the lights going out that night in 1997 or Cal Ripken's presence at the ballpark. We recognize it as a popular myth, but nothing more. And that's the best. Like, like there's no, in, in the world of, in the realm of fact, there's no actual debate to be had. Right. About the game. It's up. I, I don't I can't tell you anything about any of these dudes' personal lives or what might have been going on. I, I don't know. 
But as far as what happened that night, there is no one that can debate the fact that there was an issue with the lights at Camden Yards. Right. So w- whatever they're doing to, to make it bleed for however many episodes they're doing the podcast, I get it. They're going to get some attention, the whole thing. I'll, I will not be one to listen to it. It will not because I just – it's nonsense. But those of you that love a good conspiracy and love trying to bleed out a good conspiracy even though it can't be – then that's part of what it is. We're not trying to convince you that we know something's right. All we really want to do is throw in a bunch of stuff that makes you wonder if it might be. Which I think is a nonsense way to do journalism and unacceptable and it's shameful. But these people say it's not our job to do journalism. Our job is to entertain. Yeah, th- most of these things, like the Making a Murderer uh, mm-hmm. documentary, show one side of things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, whereas if you were to look at the other side of things, you probably would be easily swayed in the opposite right. direction. Right. Like, Boy, it's, it's there's all... a lot of evidence on the other side, too. Huh? Yeah. Right. yeah. Now, I'm still waiting for that... Um, I'm still waiting for the podcast to come out about the Superdome lights going out because I think there is something there. <laughs> you, you're doing that one. You're doing that bit. <laughs> I don't think there's. I don't think there's any conspiracy to it. I just think that sometimes it's. Sometimes it's, people turn out lights. No, I think it's utterly. I, I think there can be incompetence. I mean, I think there just can be like mm. we 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 didn't consider this thing, and it can just happen that it's incompetent. I remember the the morning after that, uh, my buddy. Uh, uh, my buddy Chris Pica, who's local, had a had had worked with the Saints. That's he, you know I, I bring him up whenever we have Randy Mueller on because he worked with Randy Mueller, mm. and mm. was like would work. I want to say just like a part time gig helping out the NFL the week of the Super Bowl. And the morning after the Super Bowl, we were still doing our show from New Orleans. We were still um, live on on scene. We, uh, Luke Jones and I didn't sleep. We finished our coverage at the Superdome and then wandered over to the convention center to do the morning show with Drew that Monday morning after the Super Bowl. And, I mean, literally zero sleep, none. And so I was I was froggy, right? Mm-hmm. And at one point, our buddy Chris Pica, who had, you know, got maybe a little bit of sleep, wandered over to say hello. And I just said, Chris, like, could you imagine if the Ravens had lost the game, this would have been one of the darkest things that, like, the NFL had ever been. They, they, they never, they would, the conversation would never end. It would go down as one of the, like, the, the most unbelievable moments. I'm trying to use the right term here. It would be one of the great scandals in NFL history. Absolutely. Despite the fact that it probably, it, there was no conspiracy to it, most likely, it would still be thought of that way eternally, and he got super pissed at me because how dare I, you know, come after the shield, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you don't do that. Like mm-hmm. that's not the way that it goes. I'm like, bro, it's that's the reality. The reality is, if the Ravens lose that game forever, they only lost that game because the lights went out. Like forever, it, it every time it gets brought up throughout the the annals of history, it's there is a conspiracy that's related to what happened that night. Yeah. Now because the Ravens won. Who gives a flying f? I don't. I don't care at all what happened with the lights that night in New Orleans. Right. But I. I do think we got the full explanation of it. All right. Uh, let's get the uh, slaps. You know how it works. Five Ravens. Two must be offensive players. Two must be defensive players. The fifth can be whoever you want. Another offensive player. Another defensive player. Special teams player or a coach. Rank them five to one. Who deserves the most scorn and criticism for their performance in the Ravens' loss? I'll begin. My number five is Deshaun Elliott. Admittedly, I think it could have been any number of players on the defensive side of the ball that had tackling issues as the day went on. I chose Deshaun Elliott. If you chose someone else, I will be understanding of it. But Elliott was my choice at number five. So the whole 
defense was bad yesterday, right? So I, my number five is Brandon Williams. Um, I saw somebody else bring that up. I don't. I don't. Well, uh, and what I what I put down is there was the, the on the Joe Mixon touchdown run that iced the game. Mm-hmm. Brandon Williams was in the backfield, right in front of Mixon, and he stopped and went after the quarterback. And he went after the quarterback, I guess, because he thought it was a play-action pass. But he had a he had a clear shot at Mixon, and Mixon went right by him because he went in the opposite direction. Yeah, and that was a glaring thing to me because it was it was a touchdown run to ice the game. Okay, I mean, I I, don't know. I thought the game was kind of iced by that point already. Um, there's two things about the Brandon Williams. I, I, you put Brandon Williams on the list. Put Brandon. It's not like anybody played so well yesterday that they can't be right. on the list. I'm, I mean, I get that. Maybe Anthony Averett might be the only guy that played well enough on on defensively yesterday that I'd be flabbergasted by him being on a list. I, I I constantly like. I feel like the Brandon Williams story has been so poorly told in Baltimore. Brandon Williams has been a damn good football player he in Baltimore because his responsibility and the responsibility of defensive lineman in a three-four is to take on double teams. It's not to be the one making the plays. And we, Aaron Donald, has so screwed our view of what a defensive tackle is supposed to be that if you're not Aaron Donald. Then and you're making money. There's something wrong with you. Um, Brandon Williams, as we know, because we've seen what it's looked like when the Brandon Williams has been on the field and when he's been off the field. Brandon Williams has been exceptional as a Baltimore Raven. So I I think in general I get a little bit more defensive of Brandon Williams mm-hmm. just because it's it's insane because Brandon Williams got paid. People thought he was Aaron. Like Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. There is yeah. a group of one guy, one that well, is that guy. Now for everybody else. In a 3-4 defense, your job as a defensive lineman is to be the guy that takes on the double teams so that the linebackers can go make the tackles. And that's the problem, is the linebackers ain't making the tackles. Patrick Queen avoids the list yesterday because he made one play, and our 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 our, burnt, or our, our um, standard for Patrick Queen now is so low that because he made one play, progress. Right. <laughs> like... That's 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 how like but he made one play and by the way barely was on the field mm-hmm. was barely on the field yesterday for the Baltimore Ravens that's how bad things have gotten for Patrick Queen but because he made one play we're like well we don't have to consider Patrick Queen the linebackers the guys that are supposed to be making the tackles yeah. in a three four defense well, you're supposed to be clogging so they can be the ones that make the plays and don't get me wrong this is not an indictment on Brendan Williams as a whole or as, on his career because it's v- been proven time and time again the Ravens are far better against the run when he's there than they are when he's not there so it's it's nothing against Brandon Williams for his career to me that was just a glaring play yesterday because the guy he had a shot at him and he ran right by him um number four for me on the list by the way proctor thinks that the guy that was responsible for the lights that the, the, how great would the podcast be if we find out the guy that was responsible for the lights in baltimore ended up being the same electrician in new orleans all those years later like that would be a great way if this podcast builds up to that and says well here there's a swerve at the end you're right i would listen to that i would listen to <laughs> that if that go. were the case uh, my number four is Alejandro Villanueva. If you put a different offensive lineman on the list, again, I will understand it, but Alejandro Villanueva had a bad, bad day yesterday. Um, it was it was almost certainly his worst day since moving over to left tackle. Um, but again, not like much of anybody was playing particularly well along the offensive line, so I will certainly understand if you chose somebody else to make the list. So again, I'm going I'm to give you a spoiler here. An offensive lineman did not make my list because mm. the entire offensive line was so bad that I couldn't single one person All out. Right. They, they were so bad. For me, my number four is Odafe Owe. Okay. Because he was non-existent yesterday. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, uh, well, he had the one early pressure that forced um, 
Burrow to throw the ball away um, on the rollout. But yeah, I mean, he didn't make he didn't make the impact plays the, the, for sure. The one play I remember seeing him on, other than that, was when was a blow to the helmet that did not get called on Joe Burrow. That was the only thing I saw him for somebody that's been a difference maker on this team at some pretty big points for the Ravens this year. The fact that he was non-existent yesterday, I thought was a big problem. All right, uh, my number three is Lamar, and I, you know. I, I, he wasn't good. I don't know what else there is to say. He didn't have a good day yesterday. Now, some of his throws were great. He made some great throws. Mm-hmm. But at, on the whole, you know, we'll never fully know exactly. He took responsibility for the timeout thing. Um, and if it is as simple as that, if either he just had a brain fart or somehow didn't know you never take a timeout in that spot, then that's shameful. I, I don't know if there was somebody in his ear reminding him, hey, like, go back out there, but whatever you do, we're not taking a timeout. Like, I, mm-hmm. I'd i still like to get to the bottom of that. We can do a 10-part podcast about that, how the F that ever happens. Um, early on, throws were off the mark. Um, there were guys that were open that he wasn't throwing the ball to. Uh, he didn't want to run until after they had fallen behind. There was just a lot of 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 things in there. It was not Lamar's day. Um and and again, he's a guy that we have a high standard for and it just wasn't his day yesterday. So he's number 3 on my list. Yeah, certainly um certainly missed a lot of throws and made a had a lo- lot of um a lot of bad sacks I think that he took yesterday. Yep, I agree with that too. Um for me number 3 is Le'Veon Bell. He has no burst, he has no acceleration. He had 4 yards on 6 touches. Some of that's not his fault, but by and large I think he's done. I I see nothing. I've seen nothing. Out of Le'Veon Bell, I've seen Latavius Murray, even Tyson Williams at times, definitely Devontae Freeman, do more with less with this offensive line. Uh, as far as this offensive line is concerned, and Le'Veon Bell has done nothing. He scored one touchdown this year, which is nice, but he's done nothing in his chances, in my opinion. I just, I think my expectations for him are so low that like it's hard for me to, <coughs> it's hard for me to be too critical. Like I, it's some, I saw a lot of people. Let's get to, a lot of people were putting Tyson Williams on their list, and I'm like, eh, I don't know. I can't even be mad at Tyson Williams. I just don't. I don't think he's an NFL football player. Yeah. Like I, the reality of it. Uh, John Harbaugh is my number two. The field goal thing, I'll, I mean, I'll never understand. I brought up like th- there was this thought that maybe they they were trying to rush out and do a punt because they thought they could get a twelve man penalty and extend the drive, but like it didn't get called and you lost the football together and didn't get any points. So, so now what? Maybe you just kick the field goal and take your three points. I mean, I, and I get it. It's not a gimme, right? Like, it's a 56-yard field goal, 57-yard field goal, whatever it was. But uh, Pete Gilbert had literally just shared out video of Justin Tucker making it from that distance on both ends of the field before the game. So I'll never understand that. Now, the game didn't come down to three points, clearly, but part of that was because they got away from them so much they were being so hyper-aggressive that they left the Bengals with two short fields to go score two touchdowns to add on to the lead, to the what was a otherwise close game late and make it a 41 to 17 final. Um, not a good day for John Harbaugh, um, and and in the same way that we praise him for having his team ready to play, they just didn't seem like they were up for that yesterday. Like they didn't mm-hmm. seem like a team that was ready for that type of challenge. They they came off as a team that was sort of expecting a. Yeah, as long as we do a couple things right, we're going to beat them. That's the Bengals. We don't have all that much to worry about. It just for if we're going to praise him when boy that team looked ready to go, then we have to do the same thing and criticize him when they didn't and they didn't look that way yesterday. Yeah, having the best kicker in the world standing on the sidelines and not in field goal opportunities doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. Uh, early timeouts, whether Lamar took the blame for that, but there was another timeout. Well, the, the challenge quarter. was unacceptable. Yeah, and the, the challenge. The, I I get it. Like I know that what it's. 
your emotion is, I really want this to be something that it wasn't. Yeah. But you have to be able to separate your emotion from reality. And it's someone's job. There's someone on their staff whose job in the booth is to be the guy that puts no emotion into it, says, look, the fans are going to boo because they think that you should challenge it, and your players are going to be mad because they think you can challenge it. But I looked at it. You're not, you're not winning that. Yeah. You were never winning getting a fumble. I mean, that's insane that they challenged that. Not only did it bounce off of Jamar Chase's foot while he was out of bounds, but on top of that, the Ravens never actually recovered the ball. Like, uh, whoever the first defender was, was was out of bounds when he touched it. Mm-hmm. There, were, there were multiple elements that said you weren't getting the ball. The best thing you could have hoped for is that you would somehow see something that would make it seem like it was an incomplete pass, yeah. but that wasn't there either. Like, it, Gene Steratore saw it all within seconds. The guy that you've got, that you're employing to look at these things in a booth, has to be able to say the same thing, and you've got to be willing to trust that person to say, no, we can't waste another time out here. We might need it. Turns out they didn't, but you might need it at some point. You can't just piss it away for the fun of pissing it away. It's unacceptable. Even if you think it's close, even if it's a big play, all these things, well, this is a big play. You might as well look at it. No. If it's not going to be overturned, no, you might not as well look at it. You've got the ability. You have someone that's seen it that can say, one, two, three feet down, nope, that's that's catch, and... We sure as hell didn't recover it. It went off. I mean, like, it's not getting overturned. Don't challenge it. Let's go. End of story. Yeah. There's got to be somebody in his ear saying, John, there's nothing there. There's nothing yep. there. Uh, so my number two, I'm one of those people to put Tyson Williams on uh, on his list. Uh, and look, I get it. Maybe he's not an NFL player. They He was on the practice squad this year. They pull him off the practice squad Um they did it last year. They're doing it this year, and he's been a healthy scratch twice. The thing about Tyson Williams, if you're not an NFL player, you're still a football player. And on that fourth and thirteen, for example, or fourth and fifteen, he gets thirteen yards. He's two yards away from a first down. Yeah, that's probably not the difference in the game. Yeah. But there's no fight for that extra yardage. He, he runs out of bounds. Mm-hmm. There's no fight there. And then you people already think that he runs timid. He's not a great blocker. He's, he's already seemed to have been a little bit in the doghouse as it is. This might be the nail in the coffin. For him, there was no effort to get that extra two yards. He saw two defenders, and he just stepped out of bounds. Uh, to me, it's Tyson Williams not ready to play in a big moment. I mean, I, I hear you. It's just, yeah, no, that's kind of where I am with Tyson Williams. Yeah. So I just can't even be surprised by it. Like I mean, the guy wasn't. It was only active because Latavius Murray was hurt yesterday. Otherwise, he wouldn't be playing in the right. NFL at this point. So that's just where I am. Um, and that's, that's the again, my, my slaps te- typically go to the guys that I have the biggest expectations for, and because of that, Marlon Humphrey has to be number one on the list mm-hmm. yesterday. Marlon Humphrey, not all of it was his fault, but when, you're, when the most is expected of you, when you're that guy and you get your butt kicked, you got to take your licks. And I get it. Marlon Humphrey's, you know, he went on Twitter. He was like, man, I, I, I can't. I got to be better. And you do. And by the way, the answer might be as good as Marlon Humphrey is, he can't be asked alone to defend Jamar Chase. It's tough. The Bengals have built this offense where they've got lots of weapons. Mm. Like, they are very difficult to defend, and Jamar Chase stands out even among all of these many weapons that they have. It's a tough thing to do, but it was a bad day for Marlon Humphrey. There's no getting around that, and so because of it, he's got to be number one on the list. Yeah, Marlon Humphrey is my number one as all as well. He had the interception. Jamar Chase even acknowledged that he took away the over-the-top stuff. Um but we saw a lot of the back of Marlon Humphrey's jersey yep. yesterday, and I, he got cooked, and that uh, that was a yep. problem, no doubt. All right, a uh, couple lists: uh, Callum, number five, Chuck Clark, four Lamar, three Brandon Williams. He's with you. Two Harbaugh, one Humphrey. 
from Nick, five Tyson, four OA, three Villanueva, two Wink Martindale, one Marlon Humphrey. I, I'll hear the argument for Wink Martindale, particularly after what he did a week ago against the Chargers and like ha- showing them things they've never seen before. I mean, this definitely did not appear to be an inspired effort. And we were talking about this with Rita yesterday. Did they not give Jamar Chase enough respect coming into yesterday's game? I'd have to think about that, right? Like, I'd have to think about that. Did they say, hey, he's a rookie, you know, we're not we're not going to treat him like that guy until he goes and, and mm. bludgeons us to death? I, I don't know. Is there something to maybe, yeah, he's put up all these big numbers, but he hasn't faced Marlon Humphrey yet. Yeah, I mean there might be some there might be some hubris there that that was problematic. That's possible. Uh, Kyle Ottenheimer back from the dead. Uh, five Elliott, four Harbaugh, three Ben Powers, two Tyree Phillips, one Marlon Humphrey. Eh, I mean I, I I get it. I I the offensive line struggled. I certainly understand. Uh, Paul, uh, five Lamar, four Tyree Phillips, three Villanueva, two Brandon Williams, one Marlon Humphrey. Steve, five Marlon, four Chuck Clark, three. No, you can't. You can't. Yeah, Steve, I love you, but you can't just take all of the offensive line and all of the running backs. You have to do better than that. That's not the way the list works. Uh, and gives one to Wink Martindale. Continue to get me yours at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. We will share them throughout the course of the day. Today's show also brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil, helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Loop service center. Ask for Mobile One. Come back in. Tidbit, tubular to wrap it up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Glory Days Grill's popular Oktoberfest menu is back, and it features their delicious chicken schnitzel, two chicken cutlets, hand-breaded in herb panko, and pan-fried until golden brown, served with mustard cream sauce, mashed potatoes, and roasted vegetables. Their menu also includes your favorites, like the Oktoberfest Brewer's Platter, Brewer's Sausage Sandwich, Prussian Pretzel Rolls, Slam Dunk Pretzels, and Apple Cobbler. All of these meals pair well with their many Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on Drag. Dine on their patios or in their dining room, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill has been proud to serve the community for the last 25 years. Thank you, fans. I've driven my tractor trailer millions of miles, and I've seen it all. The next time you change lanes when driving, remember, because of the sheer weight and size of my truck... I'm not able to stop quickly if you cut me off and break suddenly. One wrong decision could change our lives forever. Trucks need room to stop. Don't cut it close. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. I love you more than selfie poses. I love you more than spraying hoses. I love you more than bird calls. 
but not as much as football. Celebrate your love of football with Raven Scratch-Offs from the Maryland Lottery. Win up to $100,000 instantly or second chance cash in Raven's prizes. I love you more than snowballs, but not as much as football. Play Raven Scratch-Offs at any Maryland Lottery retailer. Please play responsibly. Once again this season, PressBox's Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach speak, and fluff of your typical show? Tune into Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and he's once again joined postgame by your favorite analysts like the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Ken Zalis, and more. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash Radio. Pressbox's Project Game Day, every game day, presented by Glory Days Grill and Window Nation. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. That's Ken Zalis, and he'll be back with us this Thursday at 1130 a.m. for the Pressbox Fantasy Football Show. As long as Tyler Lockett and Alvin Kamara don't combine for 73 points tonight, I'll have a perfect week in fantasy this week. And I I think I feel pretty good about that, but you never know. Um, We'll talk more about week eight. If you're a Lamar Jackson owner, what do you do? Like things along those lines, we'll talk more about that. Coming up Thursday morning, 1130 a.m. with KZ on the Press Box Fantasy Football Show brought to you by CCBC, Glory Days Grill, and the Maryland Department of Transportation. Tidbit brought to you today by Window Nation. Falls Calling Sale. Buy two windows, get two free. Buy four windows, get four free. There's no limit. Pay nothing for two full years. 866-90Nation or visit windownation.com. All right, Tidbit. Um, Jordan Alvarez had a big series in the ALCS. Yes, the World Series is set. That happened since the last time we chatted. Um, Both uh, Houston and Atlanta take care of business in Game 6, and so... My nightmares are now over. Look, I'm pulling for Atlanta, but I'm not trying to oversell this. I do not hate Houston the way that you guys do, so it's not going to be – the rest of you are going to be greatly bothered by Houston winning the World Series. I will not be. It just doesn't – I'm not there. I would prefer it to be Atlanta, but I don't hate Houston. That's just where I am. Now, the only – the scenarios where I would be unhappy are all gone. Like, that's – now I'm just sort of left with like a – yeah, of the two, I probably prefer Atlanta, and it's probably a better story and all that. But if it ends up being Houston, I'll I'll be fine. I had legitimate reasons to dislike every American League team that was in the playoffs this year. So for me, it was it was never going to be a, a big deal who got there because I don't really generally yeah. like most of those teams. Right? I just don't. So. I just don't feel about them the way that you do. I can't. And part of that is Dusty Baker. It really is. Yeah. Part of it. No, is, I like Dusty. Is really. Du- and it's part of it is. I I would the the other stuff would be enough for me to say yeah okay I think everybody else was cheating but I still don't want to see them win mm-hmm. but that's conflated by the presence of Dusty Baker who like I really like and you know really kind of want to see him win a World Series like yeah. that's a tough thing for me but no I'd certainly prefer it to be Atlanta to that's be it very that's clear. a good preview to what we got going on here so. okay um, Alvarez, he had seven hits in the last two games, in games five and six of the ALCS. The Red Sox had five hits as a team in those two games. It was the first time in the history of postseason baseball that a player out-hit the opposing team by himself over the final two games of a series. Mm, so that's How about that? Yeah, that's, that's our tidbit today. And then the trivia building off that, while Alvarez certainly did his part to put the Houston Astros back in the World Series, for Dusty Baker, it marks his second 
pennant, his second trip to the World Series, the other coming with uh, in 2002 as a, as a manager of the San Francisco Giants. In getting back to the World Series with an AL team, he becomes just the ninth manager in Major League history to win the pennant in both leagues. Who are the other eight managers? <coughs> Shoo. Um, I have confidence you can probably get seven of the eight. Yeah, I, I mean, I some of them I think I know, but, <laughs> but um, I'm uh, uh, Tony Larusa. Yes, Tony Larusa with the Oakland Athletics and the St. Louis Cardinals. How about I'm trying to remember if Tory won one in St. Louis. I'll say Joe Tory, but I don't actually don't know that that's right. Joe Tory's not. Yeah, he never won one in St. Louis. Um. Now I'm trying to. I, I swear to God, I was just thinking of who some of these guys were the other day, and I'm 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 I'm, I'm immediately blanking on them after I did that, and it's driving me nuts. Uh, Lou Pinella, no, Pinella never won. He's never ma- he's never been a World Series manager, has he? I thought it was with the Reds, and did, did he? <coughs> you're right. He was a manager of the Reds in 1990 but in 1990 90, when they went. Yeah, yeah. Not, no, you're right. But, but never, but made n- one never with the Seattle. Mariners or the Rays. Uh, Wait, wait, who was the manager for the first time with the Ra- Oh, it was Oh, it was Madden, yeah, it, yeah. Was. it was. So Joe Madden. Joe Madden is on yeah. the list with the Rays and the Cubs. All right, so I got in Larusa and Madden. Is that all I've got so far? Yes, sir. Okay. Um Um Oh god, why am I blanking? Uh, 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 Sparky Anderson. Sparky Anderson with the Cincinnati Reds and the Detroit Tigers. J- uh, Jim Leland? Jim Leland with the Florida uh, Marlins, Florida Marlins the Detroit and the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. So you have four left. Uh, um... Man, man, this is much trickier than I thought it was at first. <sighs> Who took the? Uh, no, because Francona was all, was in the American League for both. Um. All right, you might have to start giving me something here because I am. Um. Okay. Who is one of the greatest catchers of all time? Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra. Okay. Did it with the Yankees and the Mets. I genuinely did not know that. Did it with the Yankees and the Mets. Okay. Um, how, I mean, how modern? Are, are these all old now? Is that these the problem? Are, uh, these guys are all old. Uh, might, these guys might, are all old. I might old. never get this because I, I don't. Casey Stengel. No. Leo DeRocher. No. <laughs> I always think of communism when I think of this guy's name. Connie Mack? No. <laughs> no. Um, oh, McCar- McCarthy. Uh, Joe McCarthy. Joe McCarthy okay. with the Cubs and Yankees. So you have uh, two left. One of them you could get. Um, the other one I don't think you're ever going to get because I'd never heard of this guy. Uh, and one of them, not the guy I'd never heard of. The other one is the only person on this list to do it with three teams. Ah, well. Well, it's easy now. I have no idea. I have no clue. I couldn't. I couldn't possibly tell you who are they. Uh, Dick Williams with the ah, Red Sox, okay. the Oakland Athletics, and the San Diego Padres. S- slippery Dick, they call it. <laughs> slippery Dick, and then oh, Tricky Dick. Tricky Dick. Yeah. There you go. 
And then Al Dark. Oh, Al Dark. I've never I, heard of I, Al I know, Dark. I know I know who Al Dark is, but I don't know why I know who Al Dark is. He, honestly, uh, San Francisco Giants and the Oakland Athletics. In what Bay years? Area guy. In what years? Like 1974 and no, like probably, 19... You know what? I probably should have gotten 80 Al Dark. 80 or something I like that. I probably should have gotten Al Dark. All right. Mm. Very good. Uh, Tubular is brought to you today by Great Eights Memorabilia. Uh, of course, the Tyus Bowser Show. We're going to have one this week, but it is a private show for members of the Center Club. Our next show that you'll be able to come out and join us for will be in November at Mothers in Timonium. So we're coming back to Baltimore County for that show. You can find out more at pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. It's November 16th, the next time you can join us for the Tyus Bowser Show, brought to you by Pressbox and Great Eights Memorabilia. Here's what's coming up, totally tubular. Um, football, St. Seahawks, 8.15 on ESPN, and the Mannings are back. The Manning uh, broadcast is back on ESPN, too, tonight as well. NBC Sports Washington, Wizards Net, 7.30. It's also on NBA TV and the rest of the country. NBA TV has Blazers Clippers at 10.30. NBC Sports Washington Plus for Capital Senators at 7. The USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw at 8. And that's about it for sports. Non-sports stuff? Uh, on the C- on the CW season four premiere of All American at eight o'clock uh, on ABC you have Jimmy Kimmel live with guest Tracy Morgan Penn Badgley and musical guest Billy Strings that's at eleven thirty CBS the Late Show with Stephen Colbert with guest and musical act Bruce Springsteen ah, at eleven thirty right. and on Comedy Central the Daily Show with Trevor Noah at eleven o'clock there's nothing else going on. all right very good. Thanks today to uh, Dan Wilcox. Thanks also to Jeremy Kahn, as well as to Kadri Isma. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the archives. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, our friend Ralph Regan is going to join us tomorrow. Maryland for the thing. Yes, I get it. It's been a bad stretch. They've lost three in a row. But they're going to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the ACC championship team that uh, Ralph Ch- uh, Friedgen led and was the national coach of the year that year. They're going to celebrate them this week. So Ralph Regan is going to join us, and I just love talking with Ralph Regan. So that's the reason why we're going to do that. Um, stuff and things, of course, coming up as well on tomorrow's program. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, ExxonMobil, K&S Automotive, the Maryland Lottery, Great Eights Memorabilia, Sports and Social MD, the Baltimore Ravens, the Maryland Department of Transportation, Underdog Fantasy Football, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul Valley. Follow him on Twitter, at Paul Valley the Third. You get it, Paul Valley, I-I-I. It's not that hard. Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter and Instagram. Have a great Monday night. Go nobody, right? Uh, yeah, we don't care. Duke yeah. sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. <laughs>